Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog. Happy New Year. Welcome to the year 2024. If you can believe it, it's that time to count down the top 10 albums of 2023. And joining me again, I'm excited to have back Brian and Sarah Lennon from the Permanent Record Podcast. How you good? How you doing, guys? Doing so great. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, Sly Dog. It's great to have you guys back. It's been it's been too long since we've done this. I think the last time we did this was uh was was the last time we recorded Dead or Alive, or was the last time we recorded Depeche Mode? I think the last time that we spoke to you was Depeche Mode, right? That's right. Um. Okay. I'll I'll go with that. <laughs> I mean, I, it, it's it's hard to tell. It all, all of last year kind of blends together in this like wonderful cavalcade. I did so many shows, and you guys were nice enough to have me on yours. It was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, we always love talking with you, buddy. Oh uh, yeah. So thank you for agreeing to come back to this. Like I said last year, I kind of got tired. Like I love doing my end of year list to kind of look back and see which albums I enjoyed the most. But also I got to a point where I felt like I was screaming into the void. So it's nice to have you guys here. Um, last year you guys did your top 10. This year you'll be doing your top five. So it, it's I think it's safe to say that there was a little less uh, new music for you guys this year, wasn't there? Yeah, and I was trying to figure out why that is. I guess all the bands that we like... Um kind of found time to go on the road maybe this year and didn't have time to hang out in the studio. Yeah. And they'd had released new things in the past couple of years. So, you know, they're on a several year schedule. And, you know, we're afraid of new music. We basically are afraid. We're too terrified to get into anyone new. So we rely on the same dozen artists or so to, to keep us entertained. Yeah. Nothing does make me feel older than getting ready to do this annual show with you. When I realized <laughs> yeah. I am not into any new music. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I do see you guys posting sometimes like like these bands from Bandcamp um, or even like I think the, the one of the ones you guys include on this list. I thought that was a new artist. So I do think you guys are listening to stuff, but maybe it just didn't quite, you know, maybe raise to the standards that we set for this list. Could be, could be. I like that you're giving us that credit. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I pay attention. Like one of my favorite things about just, you know, being in the podcast circle is we all kind of share, I call it our music porn you know, what we're listening to. Like, I love it because I love seeing what everybody's listening to, listening to. So I love stuff like that. And I do see sometimes it's stuff like, oh, I've never heard of this. And like one day, like, you know, you'll be listening to Donna Summer. The next you're listening to this album that I can't remember the name of, but it's got a cat on the cover and it's all Alice Cooper related. Art oh, yeah, song yeah. Titles. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, yeah. Cat temper. Cat temper. There we go. Yeah. that. So you're, I think you're always listening to something interesting to do. I will say for for like the classic artists and even for new artists in general, I think this year uh, it was interesting because um, so you had the pandemic kind of put some albums on hold and then we just got an absolute glut there, I think, for like two years. And now we're kind of seeing some like slowing down, more touring, like you guys mentioned. I think that's kind of we're getting back to if you could call it normal, but we're getting back to kind of what the old ways were, I think, with release schedules and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about that a couple months ago that very situation that you just described and how there are a lot of bands, well, at least two that I'm going to mention right here that came out with great albums early in the lockdown and then totally got ripped off on the chance to tour for those albums. And they have since moved on and they're already on the next album. And so there are these great records that really never got their due. And in my opinion, the two that I, I missed out on the most things that, that I wish we could have seen live was a Kylie Minogue album called Disco, which I thought was awesome. And The Pretenders, they had an, an amazing album right at the beginning of lockdown. 
and it really makes me mad because I only seem to like every other Pretenders album. So they brought out a new album this year called Relentless, which I listened to twice, and I don't care if I ever hear it again or not. But the album before it was so good. It was such a return to form. I would have loved to see uh, Chrissy live for that record, but now I don't really care about this this new one. So, in That's fact, you know, I have every Pretenders album in my collection here. I do like them, but I couldn't bring myself to even consider this new album for my top five or ten of the year. Just disappointing. That's unfortunate. Uh, I, I do have to ask you because you mentioned Kylie Minogue. Have you ever seen her live? Like, I don't know if she tours the U.S. Uh, now, so I'm just curious. No, and, and we're we're going to complain about that when we get to our our number right. four album. Ooh, I, I look forward to yeah, it. There's, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, a, there's no better just... tease than an old white guy is going to complain when we get to song number four. An <laughs> old white guy is going to complain about a white woman from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. This podcast is wonderful. All right, before we do get into the top 10, though, I wanted to touch on something else because we kind of danced around it. The year in live music. It was a great year of concerts for me. I know you guys saw some amazing shows as well. So I thought I'd just quick rattle off uh, my top three shows of the year. Uh, first off, with starting with Yellow Card, a pop punk band that my wife is really into. She's introduced me to them, and I really enjoy their music. And we went and saw them. This was their reunion tour. And we happened to see what was the biggest date of the tour. They kind of came back, and they're like bigger than ever now. Pop punk is having this resurgence. And man, just the energy they were playing with and the way the band, you know, talked to the audience, like they were so emotional, like they really gave us their all that night. And I felt like it was something magic you don't see too often in concert. Like you don't always see a band like get to have that moment, you know, where they realize, holy shit, people still care about us. Like it's it's truly something amazing. I thought it was so, so cool to see. And that was a highlight show for me. And then the next one, I think, is one um, before before you move on, Sly Dog. Um you're 100% right. That feeling is great when when you get the legitimate sense that the band appreciates the love that the audience is sending their way. And I just wanted to ask you, you you recorded like a live review of that concert, like right after it, right? Weren't you and your wife actually driving home from the concert as you recorded the concert, the podcast? So we did record a review for that show, but it never got posted because what happened is um, I was so jazzed after that show. You're, you are thinking of a, we did record a show like that, but um I was so jazzed after that yellow card show. Like I, w I w was going back to the car and I was all excited and I wanted to listen to all the albums. And I was like, let's record a review. And we did it and we were talking. And then I was so excited. I didn't plug my phone in and my phone was on like 10% and it died right as we finished talking. And I was like, okay, well the video will be there when I turn it on again. Right? No, it was gone. It was lost. The audio was oh. lost to the wind. So unfortunately that show never got reviewed properly. How could that be? Because I, I thought I had a distinct memory of you making a joke that like yellow card is the one sports thing that you like in the whole like you have one one single interest in sports and it was a band called yellow card. Like I thought you made a joke like that. Oh, is that not it, true? No, I don't. I, I'm not sure what that would be. Um, maybe there is a band with a sports metaphor that I enjoy. Well, because yellow card is, is yeah. soccer, right? Right. Or football. Is it? I, yeah, I, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like your warning as, oh. as a player arc. Well, sorry, maybe you'll need to cut that out because I was sure that was your podcast. <laughs> I guess it was another podcast. I, I do joke that I don't like I don't know how to sports ball, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to interrupt you. All right, That's what's all right. number two? Number two, I think we'll both have a lot to say, and that was the cure oh. uh, at Chula Vista Amphitheater. Um, I saw the second night thing like I kind of had this moment where like I've been a like a kind of casual Cure fan for a while I had a few albums 
And I liked what they did with this tour, how like Robert Smith kind of fought for the fans a little bit. And and this and I kind of thought, you know, he's making it so easy to get tickets. Like I should go see them and I should finally dive into this band. And when I first looked, the show was sold out. I was like, ah, fuck. But then there was such a demand, they added a second date and I got tickets to that show. And it was just so, so mind blowing. Like three hours of music. Um two two or three encores something like that it was just beyond my wildest dreams and i got so into the band and the set list went really deep you know they pulled out songs that they hadn't played yet on tour like um 39 and uh last rose of summer i think it's called want it was just so amazing the energy the stage presence robert smith really has a stage presence like he just walks out and you you feel an energy it was I, I just, it's hard to put into words, but it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. One of my favorite moments was uh, they did a uh, plain song a, in the encores and it was misting. Like it wasn't raining, it was misting. And when they lit up the audience with the white lights, you could see the mist hanging in the air and shining. It looked like little diamonds twinkling. It's, oof, getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was such a, such a fun show. So yeah, Cure is my number two. Very nice. Yeah, that was one that we both loved as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you saw them twice, actually, didn't you? We saw them back-to-back days. It was over a weekend. We saw them one on a Saturday and a Sunday, two different venues. And both performances were phenomenal. Yeah, I I agree with you. Robert Smith doesn't look like he'd be a, <laughs> like he's the most dynamic frontman, but you're right, he has a presence. And and talking about showing your appreciation and um, that he did that, you know, he comes out, and he just walks very slowly across the stage, looking and taking in the audience and, and just observing everything. And I love that he was doing that. You know, he's not just there to put his head down and play. He's there to experience it just like we are. And I really got that sense in both of the shows we attended. Yeah. And that's, that was a big surprise for me, too. Like, I'd never seen any live stuff, so I didn't know like what he was like. I didn't expect him to talk even. Like he does not strike me as someone that interacts with the audience, but he very much did interact with us a couple times, even cracking jokes about the songs he was performing. So, yeah, <laughs> he, he he's definitely a frontman. He he's maybe a bit of a reluctant frontman, a bit shy, but he he is a frontman with a personality. Yeah. All right. So my number one uh, was unavoidable. Um, I went to Minneapolis for my thirtieth birthday. Uh, it was my dad's sixtieth birthday. Um, we happened to be. 30 years apart so um we went and saw together stevie nicks and billy joel and it was just a, a magical night two artists i love and i've never seen never thought i'd get to see billy joel either like it seems like he doesn't really tour as much anymore or if he does it's just one off so the fact that i got to see one of my favorite songwriters live was just amazing and stevie again wonderful presence sounded great they both put on put on great shows uh billy even came out during stevie's set and sang stop dragging my heart around with her so that's just oh, a wow. show to me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to remember cool. that show for a very long time. It was so, so cool. Oh, that's so excellent that you got to see that and see that with your dad. And just everything about that experience sounds so terrific. I'm I'm just so happy for you that you got to do that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a hard concert to beat. It's so, just so fun. You had a great concert experience on that trip. And that was the trip that you also went and visited Paisley Park, right? Yep. Yep. That I did. I did a whole episode on that. And that was so, again, that was my second time there. And that was just, it, there's magic in that place, seeing where Prince got to create and 
you know, be, be part of it for a little bit and kind of see the studios. It's, he built a world where he could thrive. And I kind of, I really admire that. Yeah, it's very cool. And I enjoyed your, your recap of the trip. I really loved how you were so enthralled with tapes, like, <laughs> like just the technology and being in the room with a, with a tape was very impressive. To yeah. You. The canister of the reel to reel tape. It just, it seems unreal. Like it's like one of those, you know, kind of forgotten artifacts, but there it is. And it's real. And there's the box with the writing on it. It just, it's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> oh, so cool. cool. I know you guys have three good ones. So let, let me hear. Oh my gosh. Do you want to do your top three, Sarah? And then if I differ in any, in any like, way, I, I'll bring it up. I'm having trouble narrowing it down to three. Cause I I'm thinking four now because of the one we, the, the, all the ones you mentioned. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, number three, I guess I'll say Duran Duran. Um, that was such a good show. I, I loved the, um, the opening acts is just as much as the, the headliner Duran Duran. We had, um, Bastille. Bastille as our, the first act and they were really, really good. And then we had Niall Rogers and Sheik. And they were so much fun, just a wonderful dance experience. And everybody was jazzed to to dance and sing along with all their hits and, and songs that Niall Rogers wrote or produced or both. That was, I, I said at the end of that set, I'm like, I don't even care if Duran Duran comes on. <laughs> yeah. And I said, don't be crazy. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. And then, then Duran Duran came on and I was super happy. So, so yeah, that would be my number, number three. I do want to comment on uh, Duran Duran real quick. Um, I want to see them live so badly, but it seems like every time they come to San Diego, like it's not for the tour, they play like a festival. And it's never, uh -huh. a, festival. It's never a festival I want to go to because they always end up on these weird festivals where it's like the most bizarre variety of bands I've ever heard of. Like the last time they were here, they were on a festival that had Ario Speedwagon, Duran Duran, and Billy Idol, but it also uh, had... Wow. Miley Cyrus, Migos, and like Bon Ivar, or however you say that guy's name. So Aww. just this, this really strange amalgamation of bands, and it's always like on a beach, and it's always really expensive. Like, I really would love to see yeah. Duran Duran, but it's never the the tour that comes my way, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, that is a bummer. Yeah. One of the things about having social media for the podcast is that you know it's so easy to hear from people that are elsewhere in the world. And it does seem like, even though I know you're saying you've been having some bad luck with Duran Duran, it does seem like we here in America are really lucky when it comes to Duran Duran because we hear from so many people elsewhere in the world who say, oh my God, Duran Duran is only touring in the U.S. Like they're so fixated on the U.S. They're not ever coming here where I am. And, you know, I never really noticed that because I don't look where else they go. Hmm. But uh, I'm told that Duran Duran is, is very... USA centric with their tour and some people would like them to change that <laughs> but I'm not going to complain Duran uh, Duran I, I love that concert that was a great show because unbeknownst to me we were hearing little snippets and songs from the new album we just didn't know it at the time and I'll go into that a little more yeah. uh, later in the show but Duran Duran wouldn't make my top three they would just miss it at number three I would put Adam Lambert and Queen um, and they, you know, Adam does a great job filling in for Fred Mercury. I love being in a room with Brian May and Roger Taylor, their icons and, and two guys that I love like a, a totally illogical amount. 
based on the fact that I've never met them, but I feel super close to these superstars, even though I'm not. And uh, even though they play kind of the same set list, because it's, you know, they've been around for so long, they've got to play the hits. It's still a treat to see them. And, you know, they'll always throw one song in there <laughs> yeah. that they didn't do on the last tour. So you do get one like deep cut. Uh, but that was just a great night. It was. And and I, I would love to to tie them with Duran Duran for number three, because, um, you know, as we were there, I know we were thinking it and it's probably true. That's probably the last time we're going to get to see them. Yeah. And wow, that's like a kind of a scary and sad thought. But then again, I'm so grateful that we had that experience and that we have seen them several times in addition to that. So it's crazy how fast time flies, Slide Dog, because. We didn't get into Queen until, I mean, we liked Queen back when we were kids and, and, you know, we were nine years old. Everybody in America did with the crazy little thing called love. But then America got out of Queen and so did we. And then in the 90s, when we were in college, we rediscovered them and got obsessed with Queen. And I, I still remember very vividly the first time we saw Queen when they played with Paul Rogers. Yes. At the Meadowlands. Yes. In uh, Jersey. And that was 2005. And the show started with Tie Your Mother Down and Brian May just kind of came out by himself playing that riff. And he still had, he was dying his hair. He still had dark hair. Yeah. Uh, and the emotion of that was so amazing. I am, you know, 10 yards from Brian May because we lucked into really good seats. We are, we are in the room with Brian May. He's playing this riff. It's amazing. And there was that emotion, that emotion. And then I know exactly what you're saying. This last time we saw him when Brian May was playing his, little acoustic session where it's basically just him. Yeah. And he seems so old and frail, you know, yeah. to the, the, the picture. Vibrant, yeah. I made mm -hmm. your head. And I was like, I had different emotion because I, I said to myself, this will be the, um, the last time they tour the U S I would bet money. So it was a very great night, but it was, it was kind of emotional. A little bittersweet. Yeah. Bittersweet. Yeah. It's funny. Your, your guys' review of that show and just kind of your excitement about it kind of, I have a little FOMO about that now, and I hope maybe just maybe we get one more run of dates because I, I never had an issue with Adam Lambert singing with a band. I just like I'm a big fan of Adam Lambert's solo. So I kind of had this. I don't know. I was weird about it in my head. And I was like, ah, do I really want to go see see that? And then I just kind of I, I, I never did. But then I really thought about it, like exactly like you guys said, you know, Roger and Brian are still there. You get to be in the room with those two guys that created this music and I kind of was kicking myself after you guys did that review. I was like, I, I should, I should go if they come back again. I don't know if they're gonna, they, they might not, but if they do, yeah. um, I'm not going to hesitate. I'll, I'll send the nosebleeds. I'll go. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You won't regret it. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned the, the Paul Rogers stuff, because that's probably where I really came in as a fan to do a little, queen sidebar i was watching vh1 classic at the time and i knew some stuff from the radio but once that paul rogers thing popped up it's like vh1 classic really started like playing queen videos a lot and showing clips from that concert dvd so that's kind of where i start where i start with queen <laughs> so okay I, I have fond memories i know a lot of people don't like the paul rogers era but i i have fond memories of that being how i was kind of introduced to the band those concerts were amazing oh yeah yeah he was incredible. He's an excellent performer and awesome front man too. Yeah. Can't really can't say a bad word about him. Who we got next? All right. Number two for me is a band you've already mentioned. Um, that we've already talked about, but it would be um, the cure. 
and the Cure is second for me as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those two nights that that weekend of Cure shows. Oh my gosh, how grateful we were! You know, the, Roger Robert Smith did do a, a great service to the fans by making the t- tickets cheaper. He even refunded some money, made sure that we weren't they weren't uh, getting scalped and stuff like that. It was still difficult for people to get tickets, and we were lucky enough to be able to go two days in a row to two different venues, and it was just just so good. And I've already kind of spoken about it, so um, not. I guess I won't go into any, any more detail, but um, just so happy. I just wish he released the darn album now. <laughs> yeah, the biggest tragedy is we don't get to talk about new new Cure music in our top our top albums tonight. Yeah, maybe in the. 2028 show we'll be able to <laughs> oh man oh I, I oh oh the, the, those new songs were great live though i have to say I really they were yeah 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 i'm really enjoying them i don't i don't know what he's waiting for i want to hear him oh. over and over again you give i'll i'll take you know, i'm going to give you money mr smith please let me <laughs> take my money i want your i want your music I saw I saw a meme once where they photoshopped Robert Smith in the pit from Silence of the Lambs, and, and they photoshopped someone else at the top, just like a fan, and said, it puts the new album in the basket. It does it when it's <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I love that. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the number one concert of the year for us. I'm just going to go out on a yeah. limb here, Sarah, and try to predict what you're doing. Oh, what could it be? There really is, is no surprise. <laughs> Our number one choice would have been the mighty Depeche Mode, as they are the band that uh, have kind of ruled our, our world since the mid-80s. Yeah. So getting to see Martin and Dave. Um, a lot of bad things happened since the last album. It's been six years since the last album, and any number of things could have ended the band. So it was it was gr- a great treat that there was another album and another tour. Do you guys like kind of like the the Queen on Lambert show? I've heard speculation that this is the end. Do you guys think this is the end, or do you think this is kind of an open ended ending to the band? I don't think it's the end. It certainly could easily be the end, but I am just maybe I'm in denial. But I am going to say no. I think they have more more music and more touring in them. If they do, it's not much more. Um, here's the thing, though. This band has pretty much consistently avoided doing things that every other aging band does. They don't re-record their songs with the symphony orchestra. And they generally don't do a greatest hits tour. Right. Although they did in like 1998 when Dave was recovering from his his issues, his addiction issues, and had pretty much destroyed his voice. They couldn't tour for Ultra. Right. So they, after a couple of years, did do a greatest hit store. But I think that was more just the Just kind situation. of a stopgap measure more than anything. And because he had not been capable of touring a, a year earlier. Um, so the fact that they don't seem to be afraid to do all these things that aging bands do to make money makes me think that they will, they will maybe consider going out on top because this new album, Memento Mori, has been getting... The best reviews they've gotten since um, playing the angel, right? Like twenty years ago, right? And the tour was a big success. The only thing, the only thing that is that I think could keep them together, if the reports are true, it's the fact that Dave and Martin have actually become relatively friendly since Fletch has passed away. They were forced. Fletch was always the middleman between the two of them. Now they're forced to talk to each other, 
and different articles that you read say, oh, they actually have developed a relationship, like a friendly relationship. So maybe that will encourage them to maybe do something else. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end. Much like Queen Adam Lambert, here's hoping for at least another one. I really wanted to see them too this year. Um, and I considered it, but man, the, the tickets for that show, unlike the Cure show, Oof, they, they were they were not cheap they were no not cheap. no they weren't and they had that first leg in the spring where they played a limited number of dates in the u.s and the only place on the east coast they were playing was new york city and those tickets were like crazy expensive it would have been also a trip to new york probably stay overnight for us and and we were you know we were like ah, I, we just couldn't do it and we were thinking, well, they're they're just going to have to come back. And thankfully they did. And, and we got to see them twice. I think twice we got to see them twice for still less than the cost of the one night and in, in New York, New York. Yeah, that's true. Oh, so, that's yeah, impressive. I think that, that's that worked out. That, that's good. That's good ticket buying right there. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. So I, 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 I commend that. Like anybody that can like successfully pull off like concerts like that right now. That, yeah, absolutely. Round of applause. And I, I am a little jealous because you guys did get to see, you saw, I know they shift the set a little bit. So you did get to see them do one of my favorite songs that I know they don't do often, which is Condemnation. I yes. Yeah, I they did that, that in the encore. Or no, was that the encore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first night. And it was like a guitar version, Martin just on guitar. Yeah. And he and Dave sang it together. And I enjoyed it a lot more than I do the album version. I thought it was a great version. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that album version is my favorite vocal from Dave. It's so raw and emotional. It's, that's, that's the thing of beauty. Goosebumps again. So good. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, those are our top concerts. And now we're going to dive into, I'm doing my top 10 albums. Brian and Sarah are doing their top five. We'll do some honorable mentions at the end, but let's uh, dive right in here with uh, uh, my number 10 pick. Uh, it is Peter Gabriel's I.O. or In and Out. We belong to the burden, to its gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lay the burden down. I'm gonna lay the weapons down. tenth album from peter um and when i say long awaited i mean this thing has been in production since 1995 he started recording it the same time as his previous album up and originally planned to release this in 2004 but delayed it because he did a covers album and then an orchestra album and just kept working on this thing and it was being called the chinese democracy of art rock and <laughs> but finally we're here and peter gabriel absolutely did not disappoint delivered a phenomenal album that's very much in line with what you'd expect from him i think there's a little bit more maturity here it does feel like he's kind of addressing us as an, as an older man and he said like the main themes of the album are birth death and sex 
So there's kind of, that's kind of the, the vibe here is just life, you could say. And I love, again, musicianship top notch. You've got your usual suspects like Tony Franklin playing bass on here. Um, some highlights for me, I liked The Court, um, Panopticon, Four Kinds of Horses. Road to Joy is probably like the closest thing to the, this album has to maybe like a pop song like Sledgehammer or something like that. Um, and my favorite song that I sent to you guys is this wonderful, uplifting, kind of like almost gospel inspired number called Live and Let Live. Um, this album snug up on me. Like he basically trickled it out uh, very slowly. He released a new song every full moon and we got the full record in December. Um, I waited till December for that to happen because I, I don't like piecemealing out albums. I don't think that's fun. Um, but it was well worth the wait and well worth making my number 10 spot. It might've been higher if I had more time with it, but yeah, Peter Gabriel in and out. Love this record. what do you guys think of live and let live? All right. Here's the thing. Sly dog. I sort of have a problem with Peter Gabriel okay. and this stems from the fact that I, I didn't have MTV as a kid. So it was always a rare treat when I would visit my grandparents because they had MTV. So we would do whatever we were doing there during the day. And then when the grownups went to bed, I got to stay up as late as I wanted. And I could watch MTV way into the night. And one weekend when I was there, I'm not kidding you. They played Sledgehammer at least hourly. Ooh. Sometimes it seemed like more than once an hour. So I wanted, I desperately wanted to see other songs, but they kept showing this weird video of a song by someone I didn't even know at the time. And it just drove me nuts. And when I left that weekend, I said, I could have seen a lot more stuff if it wasn't for that Peter Gabriel. I hope he <laughs> I hope he bombs with that song. And unfortunately for me, Sledgehammer, of course, was like the number one video of the year and <laughs> one of the top five singles of the year. So I had to put up with them for a long time. Now, in the 90s, I worked at a record shop and I remember they sent us like a promo copy of a two disc live album by Peter Gabriel, which was awesome. I have to admit, it was a great live album. And I, and I said to myself, well, you need to grow up at this point and appreciate Peter Gabriel. But even though I do appreciate him, I don't really ever listen to him. So I knew this album was out. I didn't listen to it at all myself or, or hunt anything down. I do have a question for you. You said that this is, uh, well, you didn't say it. It was labeled. This is Live and Let Live, the bright side mix. Did I see something like there's actually two different versions of the same album just mixed differently? Yes, uh, there are two discs uh, in this package here. One is the bright side mix, which is the cleaner, um, you know, most polished version of the mix. And there's a, I haven't listened to the other one yet. It's called the dark side mix. It's supposed to be a little more lo-fi. Um, and some songs even go longer on there, which is interesting. Um, I just, I've been enjoying like the pretty studio version so much. Like I'm kind of like, oh, do I want to hear like a less, like, because when I think lo-fi, I think like, less than so like i want to hear a less than version of this album but i probably will listen to it at some point but my curiosity will get the better of me i'm sure of it yeah i'm sure and i'll be interested to know what you think it it's a it's a very inter interesting concept to me to do that at, at at first i actually thought that it was the album mixed in two different ways kind of a dark version of it and a bright version of it but i guess maybe what you're saying it's it's going to be more of like uh just an unpolished maybe early mix of it or something like that it's yeah maybe that second disc is songs as they were being worked on or something um but but please let me know what you think of it because i am oh, i think that's i think that's interesting that he did that um this song is it is pretty good actually we were just talking about condemnation and how you like that song a lot and i'm i think it's okay and then you started your commentary on this this album 
by throwing around the G word, which is gospel. <laughs> gospel is why I don't like condemnation because it sounds like gospel music. And that was my first thought when I heard this. Uh, this is this is gospel music. But I will say around almost the five minute mark, it takes a long time, but around four minutes and 49 seconds. Um, he hits that line. It takes courage. Oh, yeah. And at that point, the song just opened up to me and I was like, oh, this song is pretty cool. It also helped a little bit before about a minute before that drums finally kicked in. <laughs> so c- combining the drums with that dramatic and really interesting, nice to listen to melody of that that section of the song. It takes courage. At the end of the day, I enjoyed this song, which I didn't think I was going to say when it started. Um, so it's still not going to make me go buy his album because it's not the quirky, synthetic pop version of Peter Gabriel that I, I grew to appreciate. But I do have a good feeling about it. I think this is a pretty good song. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the song. Um, I really liked the message in it. And it is an excellent album closer. Boy, he he picked a really good one. To, to end the album. It's like a, a very uplifting, hopeful note. Really like that. Thought it was interesting too that it was the last song he recorded. I think the last song he wrote for the album as well. Yep. Yeah, that was that was neat. And and it sounded like he wasn't really sure yet or when he was going to write about forgiveness. And he didn't he he wasn't interested in the topic. And then he thought about these two stories, one with the Desmond Tutu and one with Nelson Mandela. He just name dropping like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. But um, yeah, this is this is a nice song. And of course, he's got these amazing um, people contributing. Of course, he's a legacy himself. So it's probably not very hard to get people like Tony Levin and Brian Eno working on your mm-hmm. on your songs. Oh, and, yeah. and that's going to make the quality go up. So yeah, this this was a good song. Uh, but I'm like, Brian, I probably won't be going out to seek out this music but if i hear it i'm not going to say oh my gosh i'm going to turn it off or change the channel or whatever I, it was it was very enjoyable i was wondering if tony levin was on this album so he is he's on this yeah. song at least i think he's maybe on other things but he tony levin and brian you know do contribute on this particular song hey slide dog did i tell you about the time i was in line for drinks with tony levin you did at not a wedding? Love, i'd love to hear this story <laughs> well i hate to tell it because it's one of the most painful stories that i can recall but I, we well, were at a well, wedding about 20 minutes from our house in a small town in Pennsylvania. And in the bridal party, in the program, it said one of the groomsmen was named Tony Levin. And I said, oh, my God, that that's hilarious because Tony, Tony um, Levin is in liquid tension and he played with Gowan and he played with P- Peter Gabriel. That would be so funny if it was him. So then I was in line for a drink at the reception and Tony Levin, the groomsman, was standing right next to me. And I don't know why I didn't do it. Because I don't really have a problem turning and talking to people that I don't know, especially if you're at a nice occasion like a wedding. I was going to just make some joke about Tony Levin to him, but I didn't say anything. I don't know why. So then when I got home, I went to TonyLevin.com and saw his picture, and it was the guy that I was in line with. He's friends with he's friends with the groomsmen who or from with the groom who was in a band called like the California Guitar Trio or something yep. like that. So I could have could have talked to Tony Levin, but just did not for some weird reason. That's funny. <laughs> I was uh, so mad because I think I might have even had liquid tension experiment in my car because I'd been obsessed with it for a while. Uh, man, I'm still mad at myself. Now I'm now I'm pissed. Like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And which is a great time to segue to your number nine song. while wow, I'm pissed off because <laughs> then I'll be completely honest with you. On <laughs> oh, boy. Well, to wrap Peter Gabriel up, I will say fantastic album. If you're a fan and haven't checked it out, go 
go check it out. You won't be disappointed. But up next, 2023 was definitely the year I fully embraced kind of getting back into country music. Like I've had, I've had a weird relationship with country music my whole life. It was very popular where I grew up. I grew up in the nineties when Garth Brooks was a thing. So I, my mom loved Garth Brooks. I heard a lot of that. And then when I went to school, like I heard a lot of the other modern country of the day, Keith Urban, Jason Alvin, Luke Bryan, stuff like that. You know, the stuff that I'm really, you know, it's, it's got its place, but it's not for me, but I do enjoy some country music. And I kind of over the last few years discovered like the more alternative country and the Americana scene. And I really embraced it this year because there's a lot of great stuff that came out, including my number nine, Tyler Childers, Rusted in the Rain. songwriter from uh, Kentucky I believe and he put out this great very short it's like a 30 minute album of like seven tracks that just everything on here is just a banger he he said the vibe he wanted to go for was that he wanted to make an album that he thought had a bit of an outlaw country vibe from the 70s and also he were songs that maybe if he were pitching songs to Elvis could be pitched to Elvis and I thought that was such a unique idea for this album um, just some some highlights. Rusted in the Rain. It's a great, the title track is amazing. There's a song called Phone Calls and Emails, which has this like classic country sound, but it's like, you know, writing about just checking in with the people you love. And it's kind of cool to hear that over this like very traditional country backing. Um, he does a cover of Chris Christopherson's Help Me Make It Through the Night. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, Perch, on, Perch on Mules, or however you say that, great song. And then the In and Out of Love, the ballad that was a single i thought that was fantastic and the video caused quite a stir for having a uh, gay couple in it but i like that he wasn't afraid of controversy i like that he you know is you know very he's very much on the right side of history in a, in a genre that can be a little shaky at times um and he wasn't afraid like you know to call out his fans that were disgusted by it so i really do have to give him big ups for that so yeah tyler children's children's rusted in the rain absolutely wonderful album uh what what did you guys think of the title track oh well yeah this was a surprise i was not expecting country music on your list (laughs) so i was like oh look at that and of course i wasn't familiar with this fellow because i don't listen to country music you know that the sly dog listens to like every genre we talk about this at home oh i know he posts his daily pictures of this is what i'm listening to today we're like look at how diverse that stack of cds is true yes (laughs) anything's possible with the sly dog um, I should have known <laughs> that there could be, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, of course I wasn't familiar with him. I had to look him up. I found out that his musical style is described by Wikipedia as a mix of neo-traditional country, bluegrass and folk. And I thought neo-traditional. Yeah. That's a good way to describe this song because it doesn't sound like that 
kind of like pop country that's so close to rock except for the twang in the voice that's that's basically what i think a lot of music uh, the country music i hear is like it's just um rock music with a guy singing in a drawl mm. or a twang this sounds more like the country music i'm used to thinking of from you know the 70s uh, it's it like like you said traditional it's new traditional but um He's still got that twang, it, but but his delivery is very interesting. He's he's got a a really interesting vocal style for a country artist, and I also really like his lyrics. They they were pretty clever. Did enjoy those, and the video was was also fun to watch. I liked that it was showing the kind of the behind the scenes stuff, and you know giving props to the people that make things happen. So. Um, I won't be listening to this again, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it wasn't like um, uh, a terrible like chore, or, you know, a real hard thing to listen to. You know, I, I was able to 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 get through it. <laughs> I consider this to be a terrible chore to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say kudos, kudos to the artist. I didn't know what what you said about, uh, you know, about putting uh, a, a same sex couple in his video and then standing up for it against fans who didn't appreciate it. That's, that's cool. I respect that. And, and that's appreciated. Um, but man, I really dislike this guy's voice. Uh, Sarah said he has interesting vocals. I thought that he had pretty bad vocals and that's, that was my main problem with this. I actually wrote musically, uh, I, uh, I can tolerate the music. It's not my thing, but it's pretty solid. Um, but it, it was just his voice that, that I couldn't I couldn't get into it. And it's not that I'm against anything country. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know much about country, but there are artists over the years that I have taken to and enjoyed. There was a woman named Kim Ritchie who I heard a, a song off of her first album. I think she had been a songwriter for other people. Her first album was really, really good. You mentioned Luke Bryan, uh, who I actually like some of his songs. And I always told people I don't like country music because it's all polished and sounds like pop music. I like I, I'm more interested in the old style country. But then when I'm faced with the old style country, I don't like that either. So I need to just stop talking about country. I'm, I will one day read Willie Nelson's memoirs. I heard he has like a series of books where he just writes his life story. And I'm very interested in reading that. But maybe I'm better off if I don't listen to the country music. Uh, I don't like this one too much slide off. Yeah. I, that's all right. I I did, I had I did admit. I think the funniest thing you said is I like the old country music that is less polished. And now I'm thinking about like he listened to like Dead or Alive, Thompson Twins. Yeah, I know. Makes no overproduced Kylie, Kylie stuff. Minogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that is funny. But yeah, this was the one I kind of one of the two I expected to get kind of a weird uh, reaction. <laughs> yeah. we'll, see, we'll see if I'm right about the other one. Um, okay. But yeah, absolutely love this out al this album. Tyler Childers, Rust in the Rain, my number nine. All right, this one I've been really excited because I had a feeling you guys might enjoy this one, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. The Struts, Pretty Vicious. Designer suits, Gucci gloves, Chelsea boots All my demons are cocaine-fueled electric Sugar tooth, caramel, silky smooth Diving into class A's, oh, swimming pose I sex so good, make the neighbors 
smoke a cigarette But I'm still bored to death Think I'm getting too album uh they're uh glam rock kind of glam glam rock pop rock hard rock band out of uh derbyshire um this is their fourth record i've been a big fan of theirs since their debut album everybody wants and um this one did not disappoint me this is their first album since uh 2020 and uh they delivered absolutely catchy catchy as hell songs like you'd expect from them with a lot of swagger the lead singer luke spiller absolutely like spitting image of a, like a 70s glam rocker he has so much energy the band is just tight uh so highlights uh, the title the title track pretty vicious too good at raising hell i won't run rock star remember the name uh do what you want uh, which is a song that i actually got to see them premiere live way back in 2020 way back in 2020 they did a, a tour called tour de california where they went out and played like a bunch of California shows to test out new material for a lot for a potential new record. And then COVID hit and they scrapped most of those songs and started fresh. So I thought we'd never get to hear that song on an album, but then I was happy when this came out and that song was on there. So I'm glad they saved that because that song is phenomenal. Um, I've seen them twice. They're one of my favorite live acts to go see. Absolutely adore the struts. Struts, pretty vicious. What'd you guys think of? I think I sent you uh, too good at raising hell. This was excellent. The song is excellent. The video is excellent. I want to comment on the video first. It has one of the best openings of any video and ironically, one of the best endings of any video. It starts with a, a very cleverly simulated sex scene in probably the most, I, I, it's, I don't want to say clever again. Uh, it's just very ingenious the way they do it. It's like the least offensive sex scene you've ever seen. <laughs> and it's a great way to start the video. They end the video amazingly as well as the lead singer does the most rock and roll thing I could think of doing. Just chewing on a big piece of lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is lettuce, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's so <laughs> I thought yeah. that was the, the craziest thing. Yeah. The song ends and he's kind of sitting there with a giant chunk of lettuce leaf just chewing <laughs> on, on it with his mouth open. So rock and roll. But uh, yeah, this the Struts are a band that I've known about for a long time because my friend Chris loves them. And the reason he, well, he did love them. For some reason, he turned against them. He just brought it up last week. I said, oh, you know what? I listened to a Struts song. They're really good. He said, I don't like them anymore. And he didn't, he didn't go into any reason why. He huh. just, all of a sudden, he thinks they're boring. I don't know. But for years, I had to listen to him say, you've got to get into this band. The guy is just like Freddie Mercury in the early days of Queen, which I can definitely see. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is this is a great song, awesome glam rock song, and and oddly enough, I could see like early nineteen nineties, uh, no, late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, Robbie Williams like <laughs> kicking ass with this song. Did you read my notes? <laughs> Did you write that too? I literally have. <laughs> it, I could totally see Robbie Williams performing this song. Yeah, that, I think it's the horns and and the, and the lines too. That is hilarious because they have a song on the previous album where they duet with him. Oh, seriously. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. we're going to have to yeah. We, yeah, we Didn't they make a video for that song? Yeah, Strange Days. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a good song, too. I forgot about that, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, this was this is such a fun song. Um, and I wrote down one of the lines I really loved. That, that I think the lyrics are also what make me think of Robbie Williams. It's a very, very clever oh, yeah, lyric. Yeah. Um, the one I really liked was sex so good it makes the neighbors smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yes. <Yep>. Oh, <laughs> that is so fantastic. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I really like the groove it has. Those horns are just terrific. And yeah, the video is super entertaining. Yeah, this was an excellent choice and a lovely, wonderful palate cleanser after the last song. <laughs> Slide Dogs cool. is my number three, my number three song of your top ten. Ooh, I, I put this one at number three. And this be your number one. So that's that's I am intrigued now. All right. I'm gonna say it's my number two. All right. Cool. Yeah, I will say two things. Um, first off, I've heard the Queen comparisons many a times. In fact, the first time I saw them, the first song in the encore was a cover of Don't Stop Me Now. And they, oh, also, yeah. they absolutely killed it. Uh, the lead singer even plays piano. So it was it was just amazing. Um, and I think the reason your friend might have fallen off, I noticed this too. A lot of people with that third record, that one they recorded during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people thought they fell off with that one. I thought it was good. It might have been a little rushed because they did it in two weeks and there's a cover song on there and they had a bunch of guest artists like they had uh, they had Robin Williams, they had Joe Elliott of Def Leppard, they had Tom Morello on one song and a few of the songs do feel kind of like jammy and unfinished, but I thought that record was pretty good. It was it was a bright spot during COVID for me, so I never, I never had an issue with Strange Days, but I know a lot of people that that I know our fans of the band did not like that record. And it does show like I've looked at their set list recently. They're not, they're maybe playing one or two songs from on tour right now. So it, it, it might've just put some people off and I really don't totally understand it because it, it sounds like a struts album to me, <laughs> but hmm, that's odd. Yeah. yeah I, I love them. I've seen them twice. And um, at one, they were one of the last shows I saw before COVID lockdown as well. It was, such a fun show and i actually they do this thing i'll I'll share this story i've never shared this on the podcast before um uh they do this thing what they call the human fireworks they play a song it's always the last song in their set it's called where did she go where the lead singer he's so good at like getting the crowd to do what he wants and react to the react to what he's doing he has everybody get on the floor like down like crouch down and i've seen (laughs) him do this twice now like whole room of people crouching down and then when he waves his like arm, which has like like it's like this big like sleeve on it, he, you're like supposed to just like a wave pop up like a firework. And my center <laughs> of, of balance is not great. Um and and I was standing very near the front and I'm I'm crouched down. And when it's my turn to do to, to do the part of the wave and pop up, I stumble backward it backwards into this poor girl and just Oh no! Just like I shot up and like, but I went shot up and shot backwards and just knocked this poor girl to the ground. And my oh, no. <laughs> thankfully, her boyfriend was not too mad and she was understanding about what happened. So, but yeah, <laughs> that 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 show definitely will 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 stick out in my mind because of that. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, good times. So yeah, struts pretty vicious. If you like melodic, fun rock and roll. The 70s Edge, I highly recommend checking this out. A lot of good stuff on here. All right. Up next, uh, East Coast Band from Philly. Uh, one of my new favorites, uh, The Menzingers. Uh, some of it was true.
kind of snuck up on me. Um, so they didn't physically release it until a couple weeks ago, but you could get the album at the show if you saw the band. Very strange. Um, so I got my hands on a copy when I saw them uh, at the end of, end of last year, and this quickly moved up my list. They are uh, they're a punk band, but they kind of have like a Springsteen-y, John Mellencamp edge to them. They're very thoughtful with their lyrics, and there's a lot of melody in there, a lot of heart, a lot of big sing-along choruses, very punchy stuff. And lyrically, they always kind of felt like they're singing for the people my age. Like when I listen to some of their albums, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what people like my age are going through right right now. When when they're like, you know, singing about like, we we all got worthless diplomas from worthless universities. It's like, oh yeah, that that hurts. And but it's real. <laughs> so yeah, I really dig th these guys. I think it's great stuff. Um, if you like melodic punk rock with a lot of heart, this is a band to check out. I, there's two vocalists in the band, Gregor Barnett and Tom May. They split vocal duties, and I think they both sound really great. And Eric Key and Joe, and Joe Godino, tight rhythm section. Um, my highlights are Hope is a Dangerous Little Thing, There's No Place in the World for Me, Nobody Stays, Try, Come on Heartache, Alone in Dublin, and Running in the Roar of the Wind. So, yeah, the Menzingers, some of it was true, is my number seven. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, uh, Try? I said you try. Yeah, yeah, Try. Um, it didn't have to try too hard to like this one. <laughs> um, and this was another act uh, that I had not heard of. I knew the struts. Then we got back to this one and I, I had not heard of them. So I looked them up. Wikipedia. Imagine my great surprise when I read that they were formed just a couple hours away from us in Scranton, PA. Oh, wow. Like, maybe they're based out of Philly now, but it looks like they were actually, they originated up in Scranton, the home of the office. Home of the office yeah. and that one town up from my grandmother's house where I would sit and watch MTV. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that was pretty cool. They're kind of local heroes, I guess you could say. <laughs> Give me a chance to rewrite all my notes on this group now that you've given me this information. So. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and apparently they've been around for since 2006. They released eight albums. So that, yep. yeah, they've got quite a wow. little like, history behind them. Um, yeah, this was a fun rocking song with a fun video to go with it. Really like the video. It has definitely has a Clerks vibe to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally made me think of Clerks the whole way through. And I love how when the song slows down, that video goes into slow motion, and and it kind of is like this dream sequence. And... I call it the sexy segment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I like think a... it's like a pillow fight, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's first it it morphs. It is really like it changes. First they're these girls come into the store and they're eyeing him up and he's eyeing them back. And then they open some snack bags and one's dumping popcorn on the other. And then that turns into pillows and then they're in their PJs. And it's like, what is happening here? But even and, without the video, I think the music does turn sexy sounding like, well, I think it's, there it is a slows shift. down. Yeah. yeah. It, it slows down. Music, it gets but... a little more sultry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, yeah. but yeah, it was a, a lot of fun to watch the song, but I think I would listen to the song without watching the video too. And still, really enjoy it i got a little nervous when i saw it was a punk band that was how it was described in wikipedia i'm like oh punk i don't know but it's not like scary harsh mean punk it's like fun pop punk, pop punk. yeah so i i was i was down for this yeah this was a fun video although i will say at the end of it i enjoyed it but at the end of it it made me feel old because I am basically everybody who goes into that convenience store to buy things. <laughs> There's a segment where they sort of in rapid succession show you like five customers yeah. all doing annoying things. I was all five of them. 
Uh, you don't. I hope you don't are not the guy with all the pennies. Oh yeah, I go in with a gigantic garbage bag full of music <laughs> to pay for things. I do that right down the street in our hometown. So. Oh, fantastic! Uh, so, oh, uh, yeah, and and musically, I thought this was a really good song. It sort of put me like I didn't research the band at all. I just went based on what I was hearing. It it kind of reminded me of like the great one-off songs from the last like twenty years that. Like the one that popped into my mind was Eve Six. Oh, okay. Um, like, I don't know. This band could have it. Could have a dozen hits. I, I don't know. But I'm expecting that I'm not going to ever hear them again. And if I don't, I'm going to remember this as being a really solid song. And and I will say, I'll defend them. I'll be like, they deserve to be more successful. Maybe they are more successful. <laughs> I'm just too old to know. So uh, this was was a really good song. I thought the vocalist, if there if 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 I'm going to criticize the song for anything, it would just be that the vocalist was not exceptional. He he was very solid and perfectly fine for this. But I think like the next song that we're going to talk about, the vocals on that song are a lot better. But this is this is a very entertaining song that uh, I'm just a little bit too old to fully embrace. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, wrap it all up. Menzinger, some of it was true. Great album. Uh, absolutely stellar live band. Go see them if you can. And I will say they're not really, I wouldn't call them huge, but they have a bit of a cult following. They've definitely uh, over the last couple records, especially there was one called After the Party that really kind of, if you're in that scene, you know about it, it kind of blew up and that's what got my attention. So yeah, love them. Great band. All right. So number six is interesting because this is an album I actually sent to Brian for his birthday. And that is right. Park's Intellectual Property. because they still seem like such a new band to me. Um, they are, they're another one, they're kind of like somewhere between pop punk, straight up pop, hyper pop, alternative rock. They're all kinds of styles in this band, a little hip hop even at times, but they're one of my favorite current bands. Um, I love the variety in the music. Um, I love how intense it can feel sometimes. They can be a little intense on some of these tracks. And I just love that the band isn't afraid to take risks and be loud and be, out there and be colorful. Um, they are, they're a three-piece band. I've seen them three times and I saw them this year and it was absolutely the best show I've seen from them. Um, the lead singer, Austin, sounded great. Um, and I've, I've seen him once where he's been in quite a mood on stage. I saw him the first time they were just coming up. It was a little awkward. So to kind of see the transformation of this band has been great. But this album, they went for a bit more of, um, each album sounds a little different. This one's a little more uh, hyper-poppy, electronic-y, a little less, um, 
straight up rock on here, but there is some good pop rock songs like Funeral Gray and Brainwashed and Two Best Friends and Self-Sabotage. I love those songs. I love the heavy stuff like Real Super Dark and Ritual. I love the ballad Closer. I love the song at the end of the album, A Night Out on Earth. Uh, Fuck About It is a great song. I think I've named almost every song on this album. I, I, <laughs> the highlights are the whole album. Yeah, this this thing gets a lot of play in the house. And, and Mara was even like, when I showed her the list, she's like, you really put it that low? I'm like, well, it, it, I'm just being honest. That's where where I feel this, these other albums are just that good. But yeah, I play the shit out of this thing. I love it. Uh, absolutely adore this record. It's their best album so far, Intellectual Property, Water Parks. And I sent you guys uh, the song Funeral Gray, but um, love to hear your thoughts if you listen to the whole album. All right, well, here's the thing. You sent me that album for my birthday. My my copy doesn't look like your copy, by the way. Yeah, mine's the uh, Target edition with uh, two bonus tracks. Oh, okay. Um, but here's what you did. You sent me, you were very kind. You sent me two albums for my birthday. You sent me this one and you sent Ghost. And I super fixated on Ghost and I love it. And I've gone on, I've gotten a bunch of other Ghost stuff. And I, I played that Ghost album for a while. It was, it was in heavy rotation and I played this album, I think maybe twice. And I didn't dislike it. There were, there were a number of songs on it that I, that I enjoyed, but it was just so overshadowed by Ghost. Because then I was encouraged by some people that are on our social media for our podcast who have been trying to get me to listen to ghost for years and i could not for the life of me understand why they were they were saying this i was seeing pictures of the band and i'm like they look so gruesome there's no way if i'm sitting here listening to the pet shop boys i'm not going to enjoy ghost trust me guys but then when i listened to them i did enjoy them i loved them so it doesn't make any sense but guess what this is the second best song on your list here for your top 10 of the year this this song funeral gray is awesome and i played it i played through your list three times to hear these songs but i played this song about seven or eight times um because it is great so i will be taking that cd back off the shelf and putting it into rotation uh because this song is great the the guy's an awesome singer um which is surprising that i'm saying that because to me it sounds like these young bands that i turn my nose up at but he just is is really good. And and lyrically, these guys are so clever. There's so many good lines in this song. The best of which is, I just want you to be my next mistake, which is, is a great line. I also like she wore a sweat a sweater in some in the summer weather, which is great. But um, yeah, I love this one. And I'm going to dig that disc out and start playing it again. So uh, I thanked you back in April, but I'll thank you again for sending me that. Oh, and by the way, this came out in 2022. So I don't know how it's on your list for... Uh, 2023 that, that song was a single uh standalone single for a year and they ended up leaving it on the album oh all right <laughs> that's just it happened to be like that like that's the song i go back to so much it's really good yeah yeah i would agree i um i did not remember that you got him this because he didn't play this one too much but um i hadn't heard of them before apparently they've been around since 2011 yeah. so that's not um that's a good long time mm-hmm. and um I love the name of the record label they're on now, Fueled by Ramen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fantastic name for a record album or a record label. And um, yeah, this was a great song, a great video. And there was a line in the song that as soon as I heard it, I thought of Brian and because he says it. And <laughs> I was like, I I thought you would write this one down. Um, he's the, I heard the line. 
I said that's not a color, that's a shade. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do like pointing out to people. <laughs> yeah. When when he talks about like black and white and think gray, he'll be like, That's those aren't colors, they're shades. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, he's he's saying the same thing as Brian. So yeah, no wonder you like them. Yeah, two things that people love. It's when you correct them and tell them the black isn't a color. And also when you correct their grammar, people love that. Oh, it's the best. Take yeah. my word for it, folks. Start doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I put a note. This is a fun song with fun lyrics. I would definitely like to check out more of this group. And I guess it's going to be a lot easier than I thought it was going It'll to be. It'll be very easy for you. Just pop that CD right in. So, And this would be my number, probably number three song. Nice. What did you guys think actually... of the video, by the way? Well, it was good. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. yeah, like all the gray sweaters and <laughs> his striking red hair. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. This is um, I I played this one twice as many times as I did my favorite song. Like this is my second favorite song, but uh, it got much more airtime around the house this week. I really like this. Interesting. All right. Well, I look forward to finding out what your favorite is. Uh, but to wrap it all up, Water Parks Intellectual Property, outstanding album, their best so far, and then. Oh, I will just say, because I like to say this every time I talk about this band on here, Austin Knight, please come on the show. I've been trying to get you on since album number three, and your press people return my email. So if you're listening, come on the show. Um, with that, yeah, look I, how much fun we're having. Why wouldn't you want to talk with someone this cool and this fun? Exactly, exactly. And unlike a lot of the shows you go on, I've actually listened to the album and can talk about it. Not there just, you go. Not, not just ask you like stupid qu question, like, oh, what's the what's the best... Uh, place to get ramen on tour like just an, an actual place <laughs> yeah. someone asked him i'm like what does that have to do with the new album what but it's clever right <laughs> all right but all right so up next uh, i'm gonna let you guys do your number five uh what you got for uh, for me all right so our number five cd for this year came out in, in august and this artist is a, is a little bit of an, an enigma to us mm. really the only thing i know about him is that he is both award-winning and in demand. And his name <laughs> Those is, are two good things. They are. His name is Darwin McDee, and our number five album of the year is his EP called Interlude. So he is an independent artist from California. Um, if you like pop songs with vocals that sort of sound like Erasure, he gives you things like that um, with songs like Click. Um, but instrumental, uh, I'm sorry, Interlude is all instrumentals, but they stick in your brain. It's it's really weird. Like, yeah, oh yeah, these instrumentals 
just sort of live in my head more than any other artist instrumentals. And, and I will walk around singing them and like, yeah, which is totally weird to me <laughs> that I can remember little melody lines of an instrumental as much as I do with these. Yeah. I mean, and there's sort of like faux vocals in them, right? There's like voices. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily singing words that you can specifically recognize, but there are vocal type sounds in them, but it is mostly instrumental. And it is, it's, it's great to have on in the background when you're, you know, just doing whatever, but it's also great to, to listen to intently. I really like that you can, you do both equally, um, with equal joy. Yeah. I have that same exact note in, in my notes. I copied your Robbie Williams. Oh, okay. Well, you copied this for me. Okay. That, that's I bought this thinking that at least I'll have something new and good to play while I'm working and I won't have to focus on focus on vocals. But then I'm finding on my days off, I'm driving around listening to it in the car and, and uh, I am listening to it and being focused on it. Uh, the song that I really, really love is called Maybe. That's yeah. my favorite track. But really, I like every track. You and Me is really great too. Um, so this, this is an album. You, you can get it on Bandcamp. Like I said, he's an independent artist. So Darwin McDee is what you would look for on Bandcamp. You know, on Bandcamp, you can hear things for free and then buy them if you would like. So check them out. I may definitely have to do that because I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I, cool. I, you guys sent me the song, maybe. Um, and I saw the topic channel. It's only got 35 subscribers. I'm like, oh, that's that that's unfortunate because this was really cool like you said it's fun to listen to it does, like there is a melody there it's not like a like a lyrical melody but there is something there that sticks in your brain and it's kind of like i've been listening to a lot of tangerine dream this last year it's kind of like if tangerine dream focused a little more on having a melody line in their music um as yeah i can like see that darwin mcd would be like so yeah i really enjoyed this i may have to go on Bandcamp. is where is that where you got the cd yeah mm -hmm. I may have to go on there if they got any CDs left. I may have to order this because I, I really enjoyed that. I thought this was a great, great choice. Um, it's probably uh, of the stuff I didn't know. It's probably my, probably my third favorite because there are three things I didn't didn't know. One I'm not sure if I should count, but we'll we'll see we'll see when we get to that discussion. But yeah, this this was pretty solid. Le really really enjoyed it. Nice pick. Thank you. Glad you liked it. Yes. Yeah. Darwin McD. Um, I might have missed it. Did you say how you discovered him? I discovered him through our friend Brian Belknap from the band Blacklight. Mm. He is friends with Darwin McD. And in fact, that is where I picked up that little award winning in, in demand. That's evidently an inside joke between the two of them. I think Darwin McD did a, a remix for another kind of independent synth band. And when that remix was released, the band really hyped it up like way more than you would think that they would have considering that they were kind of a, a not very known band, but they had all these superlatives and adjectives describing Darwin McDee. And now that little group of synth friends always point out to him, like you are, you are award-winning and in, in demand. demand. <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. All right. So my number five pick is the self-titled album from Zach Bryan, another country album. There's delays on the plains out of eastern Montana Way you told me you were leaving from You've been stabbed in the back And the rest of your body Won't you tell me where you're bleeding from If 
you need a tourniquet Or if you wanna turn and quit Know that I'll be by your side Bled your whole soul into things you can't control In a world you'll never satisfy I bandage up your body and your bones and your band-aids too Take care of the blood that your lover runs through I know all the damage that some days in this dark world does You laughed last evening something I dreamed of your guys's favorite thing um <laughs> this is his fourth album uh again th this was quite a year for country music and this guy was one of my new discoveries and probably one of my favorite of my new discoveries this year because i think as a songwriter he's really really good he's got a lot of heart in his writing a lot of like he feels really weighty and emotional um and i bought his first album early on in the year which is a, it's uh well maybe not his first album his first major label album the first one that you can really Go out there and find physically uh american heartbreak it's a double album with like 36 songs it's insane but for a double album with 36 songs like there was a lot on there i loved and found myself kept going back to so when he announced this one i was like well i'm definitely getting that when it comes out and when it came out it did so well every song on here charted just because of streaming every song charted wow. in the hot 100 all 16 of these songs charted which is insane to me um, Wait, the Billboard Pop Music Hot yeah. 100? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. With one of them, one of them even debuted at number one, uh, which is crazy to me. Um, but so I thought that was so so cool that just because of streaming and not really any radio support, like this guy managed to, you know, make a pretty big dent on the Billboard charts. I thought that was so cool. But back to the music, um, just some really good, just great singer songwriter writer type of country here, uh, like Hey Driver. Uh, Fear and Fridays. Uh, there's a great song about uh, like he he was a, he was a, in the Air Force I think, and there's a song about one of his Air Force buddies called El Varedo. I like that song a lot. There's a ballad called I Remember Everything. Casey Musgraves, such a pretty pretty song. That was the one that charted at number one. And then my favorite track, which is the one I sent to you guys, is called Tourniquet. It's got one of my favorite lyrical turn of phrases he's ever he's ever done, which is if you want to if you need a tourniquet or if you want to turn and quit. I'll be right here by your side. I thought that was so, so cool. I love the way, just, just a little bit of phrasing and it sounded so cool. So yeah, I dig this album a lot. It's been getting a lot of spin time in the house, much to like, to the point that I think uh, my wife is actually a little annoyed with this one, but I love this record. <laughs> I love this record so, so much. It gets a lot of play time, um, a lot of ballads, but it never feels like it drags to me, so very much enjoy this record look forward to what he's doing next because he's already put out more singles um and announced that he's working on the next record so i'm very excited to see what he does next zach bryan self-titled i think i sent you guys tourniquet what'd you guys think so your friend tyler uh your number nine song had me in quite a mood as i was listening to these and i was fully expecting to turn my nose up at this one as well but i love the vocals on this track i love the bass and i love the production um the song just sounds awesome and they do some little tricks. There's like sound effects in it, like party chatter kind of at, at one part. And it just gives it such such a nice song, uh, not such a nice sound. And I didn't mention the guitar because at first I didn't, the guitar wasn't really impressing me. But there is a very nice um, sonically pleasing guitar solo in the, in the mid-song instrumental break that I really enjoyed as well. So 
Um, I really dug this song. I didn't expect to, but I, I can sort of, the, I think the thing that really makes me like it is that I could, even though this is country music, I guess, I could see this song being on the TV show Scrubs if Scrubs was still being made. And to me, that's the probably the highest compliment you can pay like a singer songwriter type guy oh you're good enough to be on scrubs <laughs> yeah. so I, I i left this song uh being rather impressed i like this one yeah um of course this is another guy i didn't know and since he's a country artist i immediately had to look and see well is he related to luke bryan well no he's not <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure he gets that all the time but i did learn i i saw that he's actually served in the navy for eight years oh, and he yeah, was the, yeah, well, that's one of those services. And he achieved the, the rank of aviation ordinanceman second class, not to be confused with Angel second class <laughs> from my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. But yeah, I can't believe he, he just released his first album back in 2019. He was still in the Navy, too. I think he only got uh, discharged in 2021. So I was very impressed. He started his career while he was still um active duty that that's pretty amazing so his first album was in 2019 and yeah. this is his fourth album yeah wow he's, so very he's like prolific. prolific yeah yeah i was like man some of these other folks have been around for a long time they've oh this is their fourth album they've been around 16 years or whatever but yeah this song did not start out sounding like a country song to me with that piano then when he started singing i heard a little of that twang like okay yeah that's that's a little more like country, but yeah, this is still a very different sounding song, like of any mm -hmm. kind of song, whatever genre of music you want to try to tie it to the way the instruments are used, the instruments that are involved. Um, you know, even the drum is different. Um, it's just not like anything I've, I'm used to hearing. It was, it was very interesting and very, very intriguing. I, yeah, I didn't mind this one at all. <laughs> no, good track. It, it feels very organic to me. Yeah, um, definitely. So, um, so what's your guys's uh, number four? Okay, well, number four for us is a, an artist we've enjoyed for, oh gosh, probably about 20 years now. Indeed. Yeah, and uh, she just released a new album last year. That's why we're talking about it. And it's Kylie Minogue with the album Tension. Every night, a million hearts are breaking, but at least I know. I'm not the only one Every time That you come close I get shaking All the feelings that I have Oh, we're never done So can we do it all again? Should I stay? Should I go? Maybe you can be my unconditional Yeah, this this was a great album for us. Not as good as Disco, which was her album that was released in 2020, got us through the pandemic. Oh yeah, it really did. Man, every song on Disco is awesome. I love that album. Oh, yeah. It's probably my, maybe my favorite. It's but, my favorite. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, Fever just holds such a close place in my heart because I we really grabbed onto that one when it came out. But um, I definitely like Tension better than Golden which was like her kind of attempt at country music. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. Distant country music again. Interesting. But, but I am, yeah. Um, have you heard golden? No, no. I've heard disco, but I've never heard golden. Okay. Uh, well, you, you might want to check out golden. It might be more up to your, uh, it's not country 
country music. It's no. like it's like a dance version of country. Yeah. The song Golden is actually really good. Yeah. It's just that the whole album tends to be a little too much. It's yeah. But, I mean, don't go to it expecting it to be real country. Oh yeah, yeah. it's not like Dolly Parton or anything, no. but um, yeah. It's just not my thing. It, it's fine, but it, it's not one we're going to go back to all the time. Right. But but I got to tell you, I'm so happy for her that she's had such great chart success with a couple of songs on, off this album. Padam Padam was the, the one that really did it for her. It's crazy <laughs> how much that song caught on. It's Yeah. It was for months. It was on the radio constantly. Oh, my, my little right. seek alert on my car tells me when Kylie Minogue is played. And it, I sort of programmed it as a joke because Kylie Minogue was never played. Right. And now all of a sudden, like for the past five months, oh, it's yeah. constantly telling me Padam Padam is on the radio. The whole summer, we yeah. just saw it kept popping up, popping up. It was amazing. Yeah. And I guess it's just because it's a relatively short song. It's full of sex and sounds kind of like a 90s dance hit. So people just latched onto it. Yeah. And, and Tension as the follow-up had done pretty well, too, because we've mm -hmm. seen, still seen notifications for that on the sequel or two yeah tension was the second single and it was the one i remember saying to you the first day that i heard it uh padam padam is starting to grow on me i still don't love it but i i like it i am never going to like tension yeah this song makes no sense to me musically it's really really bad i love it now yeah mr 180 as usual <laughs> He's, he has a very long and storied track record of flipping completely um on on songs or artists like changing his complete his opinion completely so hey maybe someday he's going to really love that country so. yeah <laughs> maybe i will but yeah uh padam padam is i'm still relatively cool too but uh tension is great i think we sent you a song called things we do for love which is not the 10 cc version no it's not <laughs> but it's one that sounds to me like it could have maybe been on disco which is why i like it so yeah. much and there's a couple other songs like that like that on there you still get me high and there's a song that kind of reminds me of the Pet Shop Boys called Out of Ten, mm. which I think is really good. Well, I, I definitely am a Kylie Minogue fan. Um, I got disco, too, because there was a lot of hype around that album. A lot of people were comparing it to Dua Lipa's record, which I had at the time, and I really enjoyed that. So I got disco, and I fell in love with that. I meant to get tension. I just I got busy. I missed this one completely. And after hearing Things We Do For Love, I, I definitely need to rectify that because what a great disco-y dance number that is it feels like a continuation of the, of the last album mm -hmm. uh, when, when you hear when you hear that one so i really enjoyed that one padam padam it's 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 all right i don't like it as much as like the stuff on disco but man i really like things we do for love so this will uh definitely go on the want list for me because because it's a great song i think kylie has a great voice um she has a lot of personality and she just kind of seems to like, I don't know if there's a timelessness of, about her. Like she just, she seems like a new artist to me in some, in some ways. But then I look back and like, oh, she was putting out music in like 1987. So it's really crazy. But yeah, it is. It is crazy. Yeah. She's only a couple years older than we are. And yeah, her career has been like forever. <laughs> because she was an actress even before I think she had the big hit with the locomotion. That's right. So she's oh, wow. been in the public eye, the entertainment Since it, she world. was in her teens. Yeah. Yeah. And we uh, have never seen her live, Sly Dog, as you inquired to about an hour ago, um, just because she really, I don't think, has come to America very often. But she did come. She's here now. She's in Las Vegas doing a residency at the Venetian. And tickets went on sale while we were down in uh, Emerald Isle, North Carolina, for our vacation last year. And it was, I've never had to experience this, luckily myself, but it was the 
ticket buying disaster that you always hear people tell stories about where the website crashes and you just can't get in. And these play these shows are really, really small. Yeah, she's not playing in a in a large venue. These are these are like um it's like a theater with with seats and tables and stuff, you know, like a cabaret type uh, setting, which yeah. I think is very odd for her because her music just inspires you to want to dance. So I'm not sure how that's gonna work out, but yeah. So we tried for about 30 minutes to get a ticket. We kept getting some very computer type error, you know. Yeah. Not a not a 404 error, but something that implied like some database was not connecting to some server. And people on Twitter were blowing up her Twitter page saying, Your site is down, your site is down. And by the time it came back up, somehow some people got in because all the tickets were gone. So we uh, did not get did not get to see Kylie. That's unfortunate. Oh man. Well, maybe maybe she'll do like an East Coast residency of some kind. Like that. Maybe she'll uh, move to the other side of the states. That'd be great. Yeah. But yeah, I think she's great. And um, I actually discovered her. Um, the first time, time I probably heard her was probably I uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head when I was a kid. Yeah. But um, I didn't know it was her at the time. The first time I knew who she was was I heard her with uh, when I got into Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, where the wild roses grow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's how I discovered who she was. And I, I, love I thought you were going to say the first time you discovered her was watching the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Street Fighter. <laughs> no, I've never seen that movie. You're better off, but okay, she's then. in it. Oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, this is probably, uh, I, I can't decide if the next track uh, we're going to talk about after I talk about my next album counts as my favorite unheard song because I technically hadn't heard it. But um, this is my, if it does, if it, if it doesn't, this is my favorite. If not, it's my second favorite. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh, absolutely. wonderful. Absolutely, absolutely dug it. Great stuff. Um, so my number four, this is one I was, I'm a little nervous but uh, <laughs> here we go. It's another country. This is a country rock album. Jelly Roll, Witsit Chapel. Mama was a peer popping pretty little number tending bar at the quality. Every single day she was up in the stakes to a game that nobody could win. Her kids would stay the night with the neighbors Mama wouldn't be home until later We heard she was turning tricks for paper That was just another Tuesday night in those trailers White trash roots running deeper out of seventh solo album uh jelly roll is kind of he's made a lot of noise in the industry this last year he's been this up-and-coming artist uh he's been going working at it for years and not only uh starting a couple years ago has really started to break out he's a ex-drug dealer uh, with a lot of face tattoos he's a very big man he's like like huge dude like just very wide um and uh he's not the most he's a pretty intimidating looking guy but he's pretty he seems like really cool and genuine and he writes these really heartfelt songs where he's very honest about his mental health very honest about the struggles he's gone through 
and uh this album reflects that uh, i think it's a great album like if you've ever if you've ever felt like you're the underdog this is a great album to listen to um it's very uh he's he, he did a lot of rap and rock in the past this is more at least a little more country a little more southern rock uh songs like halfway to hell the lost uh nail me kill a man uh save me which is a really great song she i like that song a lot and need a favor and the one i chose i chose a song called unlive where you get to see uh, the hip hop side come out a little bit. It's kind of a dark song with a little bit of guitar and it paints a very dark rural picture. Um, but I love his voice. I think he's got a great singing voice. I think his kind of ascent, his story is fascinating. There's a great documentary on him on Hulu called Save Me if you want to know more about the guy. But um, I absolutely adored this album. I played the shit out of it. I actually own it on vinyl too. Um, purple vinyl sound looks and sounds great. Uh, this is a record I absolutely love. I, I'm, I've am i actually learned most of the worst of this album, uh, which is not something that happens a lot these days, unfortunately. Like I feel like that happens less as I get, get older. I learn all the worst to records. But this album and that Water Parks one, I really feel like when I put it on, I can sing along to all the words. So, yep, Jelly Roll, Witsit Chapel. Absolutely love this album. It's my number four. What did you guys think of Unlive? So that's him doing the rap, doing the rap section in the uh, middle. No, that, that, that's a guy named Yellow Wolf. Okay, okay, it did sound like someone different to me. Uh, this is this is a great song. I'm surprised to hear you say that this is country. I I actually was in my notes. I say, what what genre is this? <laughs> I think old guys like me are more concerned with labels and genres than young guys like you, Sly Dog. I actually wrote that. But so this is he's he's a country artist. He's that's what he's it, considered. It, it, he's considered country, but I see him more like. Like there does seem to be this new breed of artists that kind of just drift between genres. And I think he's like somewhere between country rock and hip hop. Those are kind of like the three things he does really well. I think that's a really good thing. The The fact that genres are coming to matter less and less to people that that can only be good in terms of breaking down barriers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm 52, 52 years old, so I'm still <laughs> stuck in my ways, but um, yeah, I, I love this song. This reminds me of, something that could have been on my favorite TV drama, True Detective. Um, like I could see, I think the guy's name who, who was always in charge of the the soundtracks for those is T-Bone Barnett. I think yeah. His name. Mm. I could see I could see him hearing this song and saying, oh my God, we've got to get this in the next season. Hey, maybe we will. Maybe, yeah. It just starts this weekend, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I wrote, this kind of makes me think of dark Americana because we get talk of fentanyl and prostitution. And the thing is, the song is so dirty and grimy, but the guitar in it is so clean sounding. Oh, my God, it sounds awesome. And the thing that I love the most is how freaking fake these drums sound. <laughs> this is like like a ten dollar drum machine or something. But it's, I love it. I seriously love it. So, um, yeah, I didn't think. It started and I saw the artwork. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be another rough one. But this is great. It didn't make my top three. Didn't make my top three songs, but it it's probably number four. I will give you that. This is this is a very enjoyable song. And if, if you're telling me that his other songs are just as good, I'm probably going to check this one out. All right. <laughs> well, you know me, I, I keep doing research on these on these fellows and these folks because mm -hmm. I don't know anything about them. So when I when I looked up Jelly Roll, I learned about these new musical musical genres that I didn't even know existed. Country rap and Southern hip hop. <laughs> I, I yep. did not know that they existed. 
Yeah, and it's apparently he actually started off way back in 2003 as a hip hop artist, not country, but hip hop. Okay. He was selling uh, mixtapes or um, his own tapes out of the cars, you know, just like like you do. But by 2021, he was playing at the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. Yeah, he he that was his first showing there. So that is a really interesting transition to me. And yeah, he did spend some time in jail in there in between there too. So yeah, what a what a history, what a story this guy must have. And that's interesting that there's a um actually a documentary about him. That that would probably be very, very interesting to, to watch. But yeah, this song is definitely not upbeat or fun like like the you know the struts right, or right, right. or um the menzigers but but it's real and i'm i know it's unfortunately relatable to so many people and so this isn't something i'd listen to on a regular basis it's a little heavy but i really do appreciate the talent involved you know i can really tell that this is this is done this is a really well crafted piece of music and and piece of art and he's a very powerful lyricist like it it does paint a very depressing bleak picture in your mind and you see the title on Un- unlive and you the thing that really impressed me was i was like oh we're going to get a line i want to unlive my life or, or something like that and he doesn't he he doesn't really go there he gives you a, a wonderful line to end um the chorus i guess he he says you can't unlive where you're from which i thought was great that's just such a powerful line. Oh, yeah. And how much does that resonate with so many people? Yeah, you just cannot break from the bonds of your past and where you're from. Yeah, because, you know, it, it is your your roots and your starting point, your origin. It's always Sometimes be- so unfairly has such a effect on where you end up 20 years you know, down the road. Yeah, it is tragic sometimes. And he expresses that really, really well in these lyrics. I, again, this is a great tune. Nice. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I, I was I was expecting the worst with this one, but I'm glad to hear that you guys saw what I saw in it. So very cool. Very cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. So we're moving into top three. And oh, I, boy. I am very excited to hear you guys talk about uh, your number three because it's something I didn't even know came out and is currently sitting in my Amazon cart. So tell us. Oh, oh nice. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this came out back in June, uh, June 9th, I think I, I saw whenever I checked my notes on it. And this is actually, turns out, slipping by in a technicality. This probably shouldn't be allowed on our top five because in a way, this is sort of a reissue. But here's the thing. I didn't know about it. And it's has nine additional songs on it. So I'm going to count it. This is a new Falco live album called Live Forever. Der Lobe kommt zur Neuordnung, schwingt Rhythmus in die Hüfte und der Stadt. Wenn man sieht und kennt und sagt sich, was diese noch zu sagen hat. Frag mich nach neuen alten Werten. Illusionen und Sensationen lohnen. 
two CD set from his 1986 Berlin show of the emotional tour. So this is, if you're a Falco fan, there's got to be at least a dozen of us in the world. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the live document that you want from Falco because it is the sweet spot. He's had the huge international success with rock me Amadeus Vienna calling as well to a certain extent. And then he follows it up with emotional, which was not nearly as successful, but is just as delightful. And this captures him live with some really good musicians. I think he's on stage with like 10 or 11 musicians doing these songs. And it's so crazy. This was released in 1999, I believe, after Falco passed away. There was like sort of a, a short period of time where they were rushing things to cash in on the fact that Falco had passed away. And for some strange reason, they released an incomplete one CD version of this concert, and they cut out a lot of his chatter between songs and edited some of the tracks. But it's a shame because they recorded this concert with three different 24 track recorders to make sure they were getting everything. Wow. And then Rob and Ferdy Bolin, the, the producers and songwriters of Falco 3 and Emotional and half of Wiener Blut, actually mixed the concert for release. And then it didn't get released. It sat there for like 13 years and no one did anything. So when a new Falco album comes out like this, I got excited. And because I didn't know about that 1999 album, it ended up being number three on our list. I didn't have to convince you to. Oh, no. When you when you remembered that it was you know, something that came out this year and was brought into our home, I'm like, yes, you've got to pick this because, yeah, this is just talk about fun. Talk about entertainment, man. You know, neither of us really listen to live albums a lot. That's true. But this one is just so excellent and it fills me with joy. It is it is so well done. Like like Brian said, the music on stage is well done. You know, there's so much music and and it's recorded so well. And, and yeah, it's just a delight. <laughs> nice. Nice. I, I I must say your your both of your enthusiasm for Falco is infectious. Um I checked him out after you guys after i heard your episode where you did, talked about falco 3 and just hearing mm -hmm. the snippets in that episode made me curious and i have his greatest hits and i have uh falco 3 as well i need to go a little deeper and find some more of the other ones but i really enjoy what i hear it's great great well-written well-crafted pop music and i had no idea this would come out because if i had i would have totally purchased a copy you guys you sent me a young romer young young romer it's yes. such such a good such a good song, and you can oh, tell that, that was that was my recommendation. He was going to give you something else. I'm like, no, no, you got to give him Younger Raymer. I was sending him Vienna Calling. Yeah, but that's like, oh, come on, you know Vienna Calling. You, know, you got to get this. Younger Young Raymer is off of his second album. His first two albums were written with a guy named Robert Ponger. So Robert Ponger wrote, uh, co-wrote Dear Commissar with him. Um, then the next two albums are with Robin Ferdy Bolin. And then after that, his career is just kind of jumping back and forth between those two production teams for a while. Wiener Blut, half of it's with Robin Ferdy. Then Data, Data De Groove is back with Ponger. And then um, I forget what it's called, but the one with Titanic, that's back with the, the Bolin brothers. So like Falco just kind of floundered, like, floundered back and forth, <laughs> desperately trying to have another hit. Um you know, after the, the 80s, and it never worked out for him, unfortunately. But those first four albums um, are just, if you're a pop music fan, you'll love them. They're, they're so much fun. Two things. I think it is 
a crime that MTV never picked up on the Titanic video because it is wonderful. I know. It's one of my <laughs> to pull up on YouTube. It it puts a smile on my face every time. Oh, yep. good. <laughs> so, so cool. And then be, because just because of getting into him a little bit, I kind of listen to for like those like Rock Me On My Days is a song that everybody knows, but there were other singles that did all right in the U.S. like Dirk Homasar and mm-hmm. Calling. And I try to keep my ears pricked for those now. Like I even took a video when I went and saw Sting this year and I sent it to Brian, they played Dirk Homasar yes. before Sting came on stage. And I sent a video <laughs> of me rocking out to the song. Nice. Dirk Homasar was actually a bigger hit here in America by a band called After the Fire. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it did they... like an English language version of it. Mm. And that actually made the top 20, I think. It did better than Falco's version. And then a couple years later, Laura Branigan did a, a cover of it, but she completely changed the lyrics. And it's called something else. Uh, uh, I just heard it on the radio. Actually. With the word dark in it. I yeah, think. yeah, you're right. In the dark or, or I forget. I but um, so it, the, the music of Dare Commissar was released three times. And unfortunately, Falco's was like the least successful one here in America. But I think it's sort of, withstood the test of time and you hear it a lot now especially on like first wave or 80s on eight yeah and i was somewhere recently i forget where but i heard vienna calling when i was out in the world and i was like is this actually happening oh my goodness nice (laughs) (laughs) oh that's that's when you hear those kind of obscure songs out in the wild that's that's the greatest feeling so it's so good and the other thing i'll say it's kind of interesting that two people took the music of the song and then kind of worked around it because on falco three he did the same thing with a song I love called Looking for Love by the Cars. Yeah, he right. turned it into Munich Girls. And I'll, I'll never forget hearing that for the first time because it the music is pretty close to the Heartbeat City version of the song. And just like, what is going on here? Like my brain, <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Like, I know this, but I don't know this. What is happening? They're your favorite band, right? The Cars? Oh, yeah. The Cars are my favorite band. Absolutely. Rick Ocasek, favorite songwriter. So, so good. Yeah, great choice. Uh, Falco live forever. And to, to my listeners out there, if you if even if you just know Rock Me Out Day, go listen to the greatest hits album. That'll give you a nice overview, and it might pull you in like it did me. But um, moving into my top three, this was an album that definitely took me by surprise. The band is called Creeper, and the album is called Sanguivore. their first album eternity in your arms um i really liked that record quite a bit it 
blew me away. They're they're another punk punk flavor band, but they've got a little bit of like a goth element to them to their sound, I think. And uh, I was a big fan of that record. Um, and then in I want to say 20, 2020, they put out uh, let me find, find the release date. Uh, yeah, twenty twenty they released uh, their second album, Sex Stuff and the Infinite Void, and it was a bit more of a different vibe. It was a little more Americana. It was a little more like uh, 50s style rock. It felt like such a drastic shift that I kind of felt like, okay, the band's, like, I, it wasn't a bad album. I was like, I don't really like the, the direction they had it in. So I, I, was, I wasn't too, like, hyped for this at first. Um, they put out an EP between it, which I remember getting and liking a couple songs on. But I, I, I pre kind of felt like I pre-ordered this out of obligation. But then I started to hear things that made me curious. Um like they brought back their old uh like i remember like the, each album was kind of had a different aesthetic like like the first album like they all kind of like had leather jackets that had this like grim reaper on it and they kind of had second album it was more like like dressing in all white and like looking kind of pale and then on this one they, they brought back like the leather and they kind of looked like the gang style jackets again i was like that's interesting and then i heard in an interview that the lead singer said this album would be a tribute to the songwriting style and the, and the of Jim Steinman and the musical style of Meatloaf, and Meatloaf is one wait of my, what? <laughs> and Meatloaf How did I like not pick up on this? And Meatloaf <laughs> is one of my all-time favorite artists. So I was like, so I got really excited for the album again. And when it came, I popped it in, and it starts off with a nine-minute song called "Further Than Forever" with big piano and big guitar, <laughs> just as Jim Steinman and Meatloaf as you can imagine. I was like this is going to be good. And I listened to that album like top to bottom multiple times that day. I took it in the car with me that weekend and listened to it. It's just so, so good. It's a little more Gothic than I think the first album, even there's almost like I'd seen even a maybe sisters of mercy vibe to some of these tracks, but I love this whole record further than forever. Like I said, great opener cry to heaven, uh, chapel gates, teenage sacrifice, an absolutely epic ballad in more than death that I would, I would love to, if, if meatloaf was still around, I would, and he could sing like he used to, I would have loved to hear him tackle this. And then it's a concept album about these two vampires. Uh, their names are spook and mercy. And there's a lyric in the song ballad of spook and mercy that I, is just one of the most brutal and cool lyrics I've heard all year, which is like an envelope. She tore open his throat and feasted on every heartbeat. That's just such a, visual thing in your mind of this like vampire draining someone's blood it's so so cool so yeah i dig this great record great vocals by will gold um my only thing is i wish uh, their keyboard player hannah greenwood she has a great singing voice too and she's done a couple lead vocals in the past i wish they'd had her do one on this album but they didn't but uh good stuff i think i sent you uh further than forever what did you guys think of creeper hey do me a favor and say the name of the album again Sanguivore. I like when you say that. You sound sexy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that seriously, I just wanted to hear you say it again. Uh, so it's funny that you said that that uh, kind of has a Sisters of Mercy vibe to it. I shouldn't be surprised because you know everything about music, but um, I, for some reason, I didn't expect you to know the Sisters of Mercy. I, I wrote that the wow, this guy visually reminds me of Sisters of Mercy or a very sinister Rico Cassick. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But um, so 
This is crazy how much this sounds like Jim Steinman. <laughs> I Googled Jim Steinman because I was like, I'm pretty sure Jim Steinman passed away about five years ago. But I'm going to go check because this sounds exactly like Jim Steinman. <laughs> and he did he did pass away. Um, and you you just said you wished that you could have heard Meatloaf sing this when he you know was still in his prime before he had the troubles with his voice. And at first I was like, he would never do that. But then there's that there's actually a really good Meatloaf album that Jim Steinman doesn't write songs for. But like I think one of the guys from Motley Crue and some other guys write songs that sound very much like what you want from me. It has a red cover. Oh, couldn't um, have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah, I think that's a very good album. I like almost every song in there except for maybe Do It. Is that a song on that one? Yep. Do yeah. it. Just do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that song, but I like all the other ones. And just replace Do It with Meatloaf doing this song. It would be awesome. It, it would be great to hear him tackle this song because it, it they so much want it, want it to be Meatloaf and Jim Steinman. Yeah. But, um, so is this band, are they an American band? Nope, they are from the UK. Okay. I was thinking that they were going to be from like the Netherlands or, or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like They're 20 from... years ago, my, my friend Scott got me into all these bands that could play their instruments so well. And they were on like Magna Carta label, the record label. Mm. And they were from all these different countries and I'd never heard of them, but they sounded so grand and so pompous. And, and uh, that's what this song really reminded me of. I was thinking that maybe this was like a prog rock label by a Scandinavian band. And uh, I was just wondering how you got into them. Yeah, but I discovered Yeah, I discovered them because the, there, there was a lot of noise about them in the punk scene. And uh, they were on, on Roadrunner. And I think they had a lot of good push on that first album. They're on a label called, uh, they're on a smaller label and I'll call Spine Farm, which is an interesting name for a label. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I never would have guessed that they were... I guess that you know by this point maybe they're not as as punk as they were when they started. No, certainly not. They've moved away from that. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even write the notes down when I did the research on this band because I think I remember seeing they've been around since 2014. They've only released three albums. They've had a few lineup changes since 2014, but the number of genres listed for them in Wikipedia was like ridiculous and all over the map it was like every every kind of music you could think of it seemed was listed and in, in, in this nine-year career they've had or 10 years i guess now and, and i was like what how is this possible <laughs> it, it was just really really strange and but yeah i guess it sounds like they, they just like to experiment and do all kinds of different things and i guess the lineup changes probably had something to do with it but and it's probably it speaks to the quality of the musician musicianship like well right they're, they're probably so good at playing that yeah, you know they don't want to be pigeonholed into one style yeah they can play all this stuff so they do it right which is great you're flexing your musical muscle as i sometimes say yeah exactly yeah i have to say when i was listening to this song i was surprised at the beginning when around 45 seconds it changed to a major key i was sure this was going to be one of those songs that went into like this raw you know uh, very scary dark gruesome sounding and it was not. It was not like that. <laughs> I was also surprised by the sweetness of of the lead singer's vocals. You know, I thought he did a great job singing. Um, you do get some like, you get all those things that you just said, but then it's like you know, there's so many segments to this song. Right. Um, yeah. Sweet, 
Uh-huh. Not, not yeah. really, but um, yeah. But and you get things like the very ponderous spoken word section uh-huh. about having communion and the yes. openness of right. the cosmos. Oh my goodness! That yes. part I could have done without. But uh, <laughs> oh, I tell you, I just I was like, my reaction as I'm talking about it is the same as I was as I was listening to. Him. I'm like laughing and shaking my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how much more like Jim Steinman and Meatloaf could you be? You know, it's just come on now. And it's funny because what I did read that for this album, they said they did cite the Sisters of Mercy, Danzig, The Damned, The Cult, and Bad for Good as influences for this particular. They did not specifically list Jim Steinman, which was apparently an influence in the past. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Maybe they figured it went without like, saying. Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, I was just like, it was, it, this is such an epic song, Further Than Forever. It's just an epic song, nine minutes long, all these different sections. And I'm telling you what, <laughs> yeah, if we, it's a shame we didn't get to hear Meatloaf sing it. Because, yeah, this is like made for him, right? Hey, yep. And to their credit, like we said, you know, there are parts where you think it's going to go over the line into right. darkness. and Yeah. But they always bring it back. And at the end of the day, it's it's nine minutes and whatever seconds of a song that is, you know, a little bit dark. But at the end of it, it's also fun. Right. And and the video goes along with that, too. You know, sure, they're vampires, but they're like not scary vampires <laughs> at all. And and there's other like other people in the video that are that are not scary. And yeah, that was a pretty entertaining video, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this so is this is really good all around video and audio. This is a, a delightful track. Nice. I, I will add two more things. It does say in the Sanguivore booklet, it says uh, Sanguivore is dedicated to the memory of Jim Steinman. Oh, well, so, good grief. Okay. Yeah. So, and interesting, you mentioned like the, the, the influences they cited. When they cited Bad for Good, that's Jim Steinman's only solo album. That's what, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Album. So, he, he a lot of the get, songs that are, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, he does get a little shout out. Okay. Yeah. A, a lot of those songs from Bad for Good ended up on Bad Out of Hell, too. I, I actually have that on vinyl. Oh. Because I was really into Bad Out of Hell, too, when it came out. So, I did pick that one up. Ooh, he just can't sing him as well as Meatloaf. No, unfortunately, like, like Meat redid all but two of those songs, and um, th- they are the superior ver- versions. Like, um, a song like Surfs Up, like Steinman gives it his all, but he can't quite get those high notes. And then you hear Meat's version, and it's just like heartbreakingly good. You know, it's it's something else. And I would love to find that album on vinyl too. Like, like I have it on CD, but man, I would love to have a vinyl copy of that record. So so cool. Um, and the other thing I will say is visually they're really cool too. In fact, each album cycle they've had a different ending. Like their first album cycle, it ended with they pulled a David Bowie and said, "This is the last show we'll ever do," and they took off their jackets and left them in the center of the stage. And then they just went dark on their social media for like two or three years. And oh they, wow! They, they oh came back. They came back with the new look. And then when they played their last show for that album, uh, the lead singer was decapitated by a vampire. Which led into this, oh. which led into this new era. So, um, I'm I'm curious to see what happens when when this all wraps up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're a huge fan of musical decapitations, aren't you? Between them and Alice Cooper, absolutely. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I love me a good stage show, and these guys <laughs> did not disappoint. I've only seen them once, and unfortunately, they were an opening act, so they only played five songs. But it's still a show I think about quite a bit. 
and one of my favorite memories is they closed with a song from the first album that I love a lot called Misery. And uh, there's a big high note at the end of that song that um, he let the audience sing, probably because he's been on tour and probably couldn't quite hit it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a trained singer, so and I belted it out in full and I hit the note and the girl in front of me could hear it. And she turned around and she went, you sound just like him. I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, how cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a fun little memory I have where I, I hit the note ex- that he that he couldn't hit. And I hit it exactly how he <laughs> hits it. So. So nice. Cool. Well done. Yep. All right. Creeper Sanguivore. Love that record. Oof, so, so, so good. All right. What's your number two? Ah, uh, number two was, I would say, kind of a surprise for us as far as the, the album being released. And we, we alluded to that too when we were talking about our concerts for the year. Um, and we got some snippets of that and teases of it. Um, but it's the Duran Duran album, Don's Macabre. It sounded like Boris Karloff. Don't. Or no, uh, Vincent Don't. Price. Don't smoke up. Listen to the children of the night. Yeah, don't smoke up. Yeah, what a, what a crazy thing that they've done, right? It's <laughs> 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 yeah, a funny thing that we didn't expect this. They had just released a new album, you know, Future Past. And what, yeah, right. what was that, 2022? I think so. Yeah, so you know, we were not expecting anything new from them for you know a couple of years they're touring like crazy all over the world and well at least in america <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> to me that's the world right yeah, we're americans but um yeah it was a, a big surprise when they announced that this was coming out kind of as a halloween record or maybe simon would disagree with that but um mm-hmm. yeah but it's kind of this creepy spooky theme but super super funky Oh my gosh. And d- having the first word of the album be dance, dance. It is a very good dance album if you want to dance. And I don't even mean like the monster mash, you know, like <laughs> regular full on <laughs> cool dance music. It is excellent. You said it was surprising that the album came out. It was also surprising because of those of us who have followed Duran Duran for so long. It was surprising how good it was because as soon as you hear that they're going to do covers yeah you immediately go back to the mid 90s when they released thank you their their ill-fated um covers album which nobody seems to like i think i like like four songs on it and i'm more generous with it than a lot of people that i see online so you you know you this is coming out they're going to remake some of their old songs which i just criticized you know an hour ago when we were talking about depeche mode um they're going to do some covers and they have the history of, of not doing great covers and then some new tracks is, which is what I ended up, ended up being really excited for. But at the end of the day, I think this is a delightful, I think there's 12 tracks on here. I like 
11 of them. The only thing I don't really have time for and I skip it every time is Paint It Black. But in truth, I'm going to skip that song regardless of who sings it because I just don't like that song. Um, so, and the, and the really fun thing is they do a great version re remaking their their old songs. Nightboat yeah. and Secret October, especially Secret October, are fantastic. And these are the versions that we saw them do live. Right. Yeah, they opened with Nightboat. Right. And I just didn't realize that it was the album. The, yeah, because it was a, a weird version. Um, so yeah. good. And so... Sly Dog, I know that you know this when you actually heard heard some of it before we did. I did. What I do you did, think yes. about? Yeah. What do you think about Super Lonely Freak? Because I love it, but I've been talking to Duran Duran fans who have a problem with it. I think it's like one of the most fun things they've ever done. What do you think about it? I love it. I think it's yes. it's one of my top tracks on the album. I was kind of surprised because I saw the set list where they were doing that. I was like, how is that going to work? And then it works <laughs> better than you could have ever imagined on the album. Yep. Uh, it is just just great. Yeah. And I remember talking to you early days about the title track, which I was not a very big fan of at the time. Um, I ended up liking the second single a lot more. But over time, I've really come around to that first that first single, the title track. It's a really fun song. It doesn't sound like Duran Duran at all. It it sounds to me, I think I, I said it sounds like they were listening to a little too much Oingo Boingo. But I mean, I love Oingo Boingo. So That's, after a while, I'm like, what's my problem? It's Duran Duran and Boingo together. Okay. Yeah, let's, I'll take it. Let's, let's um, do that. So that one has been in my head recently quite a bit. And that song, uh, along with some other ones, marks the return of guitarist Warren Cucurillo, I think his last name is. He's in The Missing Persons. And then he was in Duran Duran in the 90s. Um, he's on this album. Andy Taylor is on the album playing some guitar. And of course, uh, I think Mr. Niall Rogers who has you know played with them sure. on Notorious. Yeah. So this is a great album if you're a, a fan of their history because you get all these awesome guitarists that had played with them in the past. They all come back for this one record, and it's like the whole group being creative together again. So um, it's Halloween-themed, yes. It's covers, yes. But guess what? You can listen to it any time of year, and you'll dig it because it's cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, this is a fantastic album i loved it i like it better than their last record personally i think it's a lot oh better. really yeah I, that last album did not grab me that much but uh, <gasps> this, one, this one is this one actually got quite a few spins out of me i love black moonlight i love Nightboat. um confessions in the afterlight is my afterlife is my absolute favorite track on here uh dance macabre has a nice vibe and uh i really like what they did with bury a friend by billy eilish I'm, I'm a big fan of her. yeah that's great and um, I was kind of like, what on earth are they going to do with that song? Because it's not like you don't think of Duran Duran as a dark band at all, really. So th the concept is already weird. And then doing that, I'm like, that's a kind of a heavy song for them to be tackling. But they did it in almost a way where it sounds like a comical supervillain song in a Disney movie. At least <laughs> I think that's what it sounds like. So they made it work for them. <laughs> As a comic book fan, I'm gonna have to keep that in mind next time I listen to it and see if I can understand where you're coming it's just from. So dr it's so dramatic, like, like this maybe like melodramatic. Yeah, like this this villain that's just like, look at how evil I am. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm gonna keep that in mind. I yeah. like it. Um, well, will you guys have a pick for this one to, for me to play because you guys sent me tracks for the other ones, but uh, I already had this one. So what what track should I play to spotlight this album? Oh, wow. I don't know. I've... I would pick the um, the uh, Black Moonlight. Ooh, very good. Yeah. 
just because that sounds very traditional Duran Duranish. Yeah. probably like somewhere in my top 25 i think there, mm -hmm. there, I, I don't know if i said this up top there were a lot of good releases this year i i, I know i've heard other people say it was a thin year for new releases but for me <laughs> you might man, have heard them say that <laughs> but for me it was a good year for music and this album was was, was a delight it was an absolute delight so good, good good job guys um and i'll also comment on thank you i bought it years ago and i still haven't brought myself to listen to it but that perfect day cover is wonderful Oh yeah, that song. Is yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, I want to take you higher is good too. Um, and uh, just to, I wanted to just mention this because I was, I was hesitant about this Duran Duran album when it was announced, and I'm like, I hope I like this. I'm, you know, I'm not really sure about it. I ended up going all in on it. <laughs> I have it on CD, smog colored vinyl, and uh, 5.1 surround mix. So evidently, this is one of my very favorite Duran Durans. <laughs> and you have a Ouija board now. I do. That's yeah. right. I'm terrified just to be in my house by myself now because who knows what kind of demonic being is going to try to communicate with me. <laughs> Has the turntable started levitating yet? No. Not yet, right. but I'm going to keep an eye on it now. <laughs> oh, that's great. Good good pick. All right. So my number two was my number one for a very long time until my number one came along and uh, knocked this down a peg. But it's one of my favorite artists. I absolutely adore her. Lana Del Rey. You're wearing the shirt. You're wearing yeah, the shirt right I now. I am wearing. I am wearing her shirt. Uh, her shirt for her song "National Anthem." Uh, this is uh, Lana Del Rey's uh, ninth album. Wow, God, where's the time go? Uh, did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Mosaic ceilings, painted tiles on the wall I can't help but feel someone like my body, mind, my soul Handmade beauty sealed up by two men walls and I'm like when's it gonna be my turn when's it gonna be my turn open me up tell me you like it fuck me to death love me until I love myself there's a tunnel under 
album. Um, she's kind of a, she's pop Americana, uh, trip hop, trip hop sometimes, like singer songwriter. She's done a lot of different sounds in her career. Um, when she started out, she was kind of like this torch singer with hip hop beats. And then she kind of has stripped it back as she's gone along. She's been a lot more singer songwritery these last couple records. And this one, I feel like she's kind of more taking everything she's done and trying to do a little bit of each. And even though it's a bit long, it is 77 minutes and there are two interludes that just kind of feel like fucking around that could have been cut for time. It's still a really solid record that I play a lot. Um, I love her voice. I love her lyricism. She has a very like deep, warm tone to her voice. Um, some highlights. Um, I like the Grants. Uh, she gets. She talks a lot about her family on this album on songs like the Grants and uh, Paris, Texas. And here's here's another long song title for you, Grandfather. Please stand on the shoulders of my father while he's deep sea fishing. Um, oh my that, gosh, that, that's a hell of a title. Fingertips is another one. Um, I love I love A and W. I think that's a great track. The title track. Uh, did you know there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard? Just these wonderful aching beautiful lyrics and vocal delivery um taco truck is a great closer to the record um and a song called let the light in uh featuring father john misty that i think could it sounds like a 60s pop song i think this could have been a, a radio hit for her if it had been released as a single but um she's a bit more of a cult artist it's funny she can play these big festivals and big venues but she really hasn't had that many top 40 hits. Like she's maybe had one or two throughout her whole career. So she's a bit of a cult artist, but I absolutely adore her voice. I adore her work. Never feels boring to me. So yeah. Did you know there's a tunnel under ocean Boulevard, Lana Del Rey number two album of the year just got beat out. It was so, so close. And I sent you guys the title track. It took me a long time to decide what to send you because the album is so varied, but I decided on the title track. What did you guys think? Well, yeah, I this is someone I had actually heard of, unlike a lot of the people on your list, but I didn't really know any of her music, but I had heard a lot about her over the, the year this year. I knew this was kind of a big year for her. Um, so I, I didn't even know what, what she sounded like or what her music sounded like. Um, when I listened to this song, uh, the title track, it, it reminds me of Adele or Billie Eilish. Uh, so I think I could see her recording a Bond theme someday because both of them have done that. And and I guess that would fit in with many of the critics who say that her music is cinematic. Um, this song sounds pretty cinematic. Um, but I'll be honest, I don't think that I would, if, if all her music sounds like this, I don't think I could listen to it that much because I'm just not one for listening to to moody ballads. That's not not my jam. Um, I like the upbeat pop fun dance music. Um, I understand she's got a great voice. You know, this is, it's very beautiful song, but, um, yeah, this would not be something that I could, could listen to over and over again. So how much diversity in, in terms of sound and songwriting is on that 77 minute album? We get everything from something that borders on like improvised spoken word singing to a straight up hip hop track to a uh, singer songwriter, sixties pop, um, a lot of ballads, a lot of piano ballads um, and some stuff that's kind of a little more, uh, I don't want to call it dance, but it's got like a beat to it and it's mm -hmm. little, it moves a little more. So 
but yeah, the, 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 she is known for doing like a lot of those slow Bernie ballads, and it's the variety in these albums that honestly is what keeps me hooked in. Because you're right, if the the whole album was like this, and she has done one record that kind of it falls in that vein, and it's my least favorite of hers. It's it's a it's a bit of a slog to get through. Mm-hmm. So when when she when she does the when she does the more varied stuff on like this album and uh, Kim Trails Over the Country Club and born to die and paradise like th- those are my favorite records of hers but when she does stuff like uh, honeymoon where it's like all these like big long dirgy cinematic ballads i my brain checks out a little bit yeah that i guess if that's what the main focus of the album is going to be that will get old after a while but you know if if you like uh no spoilers but uh someone who's coming up um before we end the show um steve wilson he you know he ends light bulb sun with an amazing bat like it placed properly in the sequencing of a song an emotional moody ballad will blow your socks off you know but i guess if you have 10 in a row it's going to lose the impact um i'm 52 years old like i mentioned but i have the maturity level of maybe 14 so i am i'm very immature and Lana Del Rey kept my boys Depeche Mode from hitting number one in the UK this year, uh, the week that Memento Mori came in. <laughs> Lana Del Rey released her album as well. That hit number one, and Memento Mori hit number two. So I have nothing good to say about this woman. It's a personal affront to him that, that uh, she kept Depeche Mode from number one. <laughs> no, that's not entirely true. But um, I, I sort of... I, I, like her singing i was at first i was made uncomfortable by some of these lyrics um like the 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 line that i guessed is is um written to be a little shocking uh how she she wants her lover to fuck her to death uh that kind of like took me out of the song the first time i heard it and i was sort of bothered by it and then i actually started reading the lyrics i said i'm gonna go read these lyrics and see where she's coming from because if she's just saying that to shock me then i don't i don't think i I like this too much but when you read the lyrics she's just desperate for like any kind of feeling at all and it's it is a pretty powerful way to get that point across to you i also like um near the end of the song like maybe the third verse the focus kind of changes and she just starts naming people and and she brings uh harry nelson into the into the song which uh, and he, uh, don't forget me is the, is the song that she references, which I thought was pretty clever. And then even more clever is that she references the fact that she knows that he had a friendly relationship with John Lennon. I think John Lennon produced his albums or something. And she mentions Lennon as well. So I was kind of impressed by that. Um, at the end of the day, I did like this song, even though she screwed over to Pesh Mode. And I think she's a fine vocalist. Um, I'm not sure I would I would want to listen to 77 minutes minutes of it but i guess if, if you're telling me there's so many different sounds on the record i guess i would have to yeah that it. it gives me a little hope give it a, a listen yeah I say that try a couple other songs off the album i'm really trying to put my prejudices aside here uh but you know it's it's difficult being <laughs> such a a mode head i will say this if you shave off if you do like i do and you skip the judah smith interlude and the john baptiste interlude you shave off about 11 minutes of your listening mm-hmm. time so that 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 is a big help i I, that is my one criticism. I, I, I get what she was doing, but it, it, 
does feel a little excessive. She was trying to kind of create a moment where, because like there's a song called A and W where she kind of talk talks you know addresses the double standards that women have with being promiscuous, and then the follow up is like this little like blurb of audio she recorded when she went to church last time, and it's like six minutes long, and. I feel like the point she was trying to make was driven home like in the first minute, but she lets it go on and on. I'm like, okay, 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 I get it. I get what you're doing here. So yeah, it's, it, it is a bit long, but I love how very varied it is. And I like that you picked up on that. She's trying to feel something. Cause that's a vibe I got on this album. She's talked a lot about her mental, her struggles with her mental health, her struggles with, you know, being medicated for her mental health. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of a, she addresses that multiple times on the album so that's it's kind of cool that you picked up on it in that song so very cool and if you're a collector of my podcast work you'll want to save this episode because i think it's the first time in eight years that i've ever used profanity in a podcast right there oh dear really Mm -hmm. wow yep that's true this is this is the first one with the parental advisory tag (laughs) (laughs) this is a collector's item oh boy yeah this is this is the special unedited one (laughs) <laughs> this is the equivalent of John Lennon dropping that that f bomb in Working Class Hero, and the label being like, <laughs> "Yep, uh, frankly, yeah." Oh, <laughs> Lennon, Lennon, they're very similar. Very, very close. Yep, very <laughs> close. Yeah, this was my number one for a long time, but it, it ended up being my number two. It just I could not put it over that other album, but it's a great record. One of my favorite artists that I hope to do an episode on this year. We'll we'll see how that goes. I need to. I have one other person in my life that's really into Lana Del Rey and we'll see if I can get him on the podcast to talk about it. So that is my number two. So we have decided, <laughs> I see it on our zoom window there. Sly dog is holding it. It's, it's very fitting that he has it there because we really have already talked about this album for like two hours with you or earlier this year. This is our number one choice for 2023 Depeche Mode's Momento More. so like i said it was six years since their last album their first record as a duo as andrew fletcher unfortunately passed away in the time between the the two albums this features co-writes by psychedelic furs frontman richard butler there's just so many strange things happening on this record so many strange things happening in the world of depeche mode and they came back with their strongest album in 25 years very gratifying to see that the rest of the world seems to agree with us. There's always people on Facebook who are going to hate every Depeche Mode song because Alan Wilder is not on it. But on all the end of the year lists that I was seeing online, it looked like some, um, 
you know, the the music publications were acknowledging the value here in this this album. And, you know, we've talked about it for a long time, the three of us, along with our friend Andrew. So there's not too much more I'm going to say about it. But Memento More, it is, it is um, everything I wanted it to be and probably a little bit more at this point in my life. Yeah, I it's hard it's hard for me to come up with more to say on this. Again, we all talked about this at, at length um last year. But but yeah, it's so gratifying to see this band. You know, first they get the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, which is is fantastic and well deserved. And then you wonder, well, you know, what's gonna happen next? And that the pressure I think from that, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna do do a new album? If is it gonna be any good? And yes, it's going to be great. It's going to be, like you said, the best album they've done in a, in many, many years. And it just kind of proves why they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? They are still producing great music together. And yeah, they're just a phenomenal set of songs. Really, really well done, I think. And everyone's agreeing, you know, we're getting a lot of critical acclaim too, which is something you don't see a lot from for Depeche Mode albums. They're kind of you know, often the they're swept under the rug you know they have a wonderful cult following but don't always get the acclaim they deserve and i think that's finally happening so this would have been like my number 11 album it's definitely my oh album. so close so close i absolutely adore this record too and i thank you again for having me on to talk about it um thank you i kind of came into depeche mode where my my first new record was uh spirit and it's an album I still kind of have weird feelings on. I think it's a little slow in the second half. There's stuff on it I love, like The Way You Move. I think that is a phenomenal song, but mm -hmm. there's also stuff on there that like I have fallen asleep listening to. Um, so um, to say I was very impressed with this album would be an understatement. It's really, really good, really well sequenced. They, they risen from this tragedy wonderfully, I think. I think it, I feel like it, it's a very complete album. Like it feels like it comes when, my cosmos's mind starts like crawling out of this dark void very slowly and you just hear dave's voice and it sounds wonderful and then you're in the world of memento more and then when you get to the last track speak to me it slowly claws its way back to from into that darkness from whence it came it's such such a such a complete album and i love it for that um i gotta shout out a, a couple tracks i really love soul with me i think that's a wonderful song with Martin on vocals. I I really love that one. And then People Are Good. God, it's it's such a cool song. And uh, I love the, the, the lyric like like he's like he has to keep reminding himself that people are good because sometimes it's really hard to see to see that. And you get that feeling in in the music too that anxiety that you sometimes feel but you got like that that anxiety where you're trying to think to yourself, do I have hope? Do I really think people are good? So it's such a well done album. I think they did a great job with this and a little bummed. I didn't get to see the tour, but here, I, I hope they got one more in them at least because this record is fantastic. It's absolutely enjoyable. Uh, Dave is a very expressive vocalist. And as a vocalist myself, I am always in awe of just the way he delivers phrases. So I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed listening to it again today. I hadn't listened to it in a minute, so I'm glad I got to re-listen to it for this podcast. Very cool. And I didn't send you a song specifically for this one because i knew that you're familiar with it but you know what since you just sang the praises of uh people are good why don't we use that i think i will wonderful choice absolutely 
and we can check one off my honorable mentions that we'll do later. So that's <laughs> very good. Absolutely great. All right. So my number one is an album I was anticipating all year. I had heard the name of it in 2022, that it was going to be called the Harmony Codex. And I kept waiting, waiting for an announcement, a first single, something, a pre-order, some kind of rollout campaign for this thing. Like at the start of the year, nothing happened. I kept wondering, are we even going to get this thing? And then the artist started doing listening parties and like, okay, and like probably like June or July. I'm like, surely we will get like a pre-order or a first single soon or something, right? And still nothing came. And then finally, the end of August, beginning of September rolls around and we got the first single from Stephen Wilson's Harmony Codex. seventh solo album uh, lead singer of porcupine tree this is a phenomenal electronica art rock prog rock whatever you want to call it type of album like this is another one where kind of there's a lot of genre blending but and you kind of see little pastiches of what steven has done throughout his career on this record um it's so well produced and so well written and thought out like he, he he said he basically threw away like what he usually does when he records for this album and just kind of worked on it um he didn't kind of go into it thinking about it being an album just kind of recording for himself and seeing what happened and i think it made for an interesting listen i think he revisits a lot of themes he's fond of on this album whether it's holding on to hope in the face of darkness or uh aging or or just that life is kind of an endless staircase and you just get you kind of it's not about the destination it's about the journey and he talks about that and and the staircase at two points on the album on uh the, the title track and it comes back again on staircase it's such a wonderful ear candy record to listen to i recommend listening to it with headphones because you'll hear stuff that you don't hear and i recommend giving it uh an active listen as as well like don't have your phone around just listen to it it's it's such a rewarding experience the first time i listened to it i just put my headphones on and closed my eyes for the whole the whole 64 minute runtime it was amazing it was it was a really good really good experience um some highlights i love the opener inclination it builds nicely um i like what life brings i think that's a wonderful almost uh throwback to porcupine trees like light bulb sun sound it's really good um Rock Bottom is a wonderful ballad. Beautiful Scarecrow is kind of this darker song that kind of gives me Pink Floyd vibes. Um, Time is Running Out is another kind of melancholy song, but also hopeful in a way. And um, the song Impossible Tightrope is this insane 10 minute instrumental. I'm not usually an instrumental guy, 
but I love this one. I love the way it builds and moves and changes. And the, I love the bass on it and the sax that comes in. It's such an interesting track. So yeah, Stephen Wilson Harmony Codex is absolutely my favorite album of 2023. Uh, it was one of my favorite artists that kind of deep dive this year. I deep dive him and Porcupine Tree and got really into it. And I did a whole episode with this on with our mutual friend Craig Smith, where we went track by track. So you know how much I love this record. Uh, there was no way this wasn't going to be number one. It's just so, so wonderful. Love it. And I believe I sent you guys what life brings. Didn't both you and Craig think that Beautiful Scarecrow was the the best track at, at the time that you recorded the episode? I think we did. Or at least he did. If not, I if not, mine was uh, Time is Running Out, probably at the time. That, yeah, that was a good that was a good episode. It was cool to hear because of you coming into your love of Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson, and then to hear someone who probably knows more about Stephen Wilson than anybody else. The the two of you having that conversation was very interesting. That was a, a great episode. Yep. That one. Yeah, the, I, I, I'm glad you put this on your list. I was very excited to see it because um, I do know this guy. <laughs> I know Stephen Wilson. I'm familiar with him. I uh, don't know why we don't have this album, but we should. Because, um, yeah, this song is wonderful. The, the one you had us listen to, What Life Brings. Gorgeous song. And I definitely get the Porcupine Tree light bulb sun vibes from it, um, which is wonderful, too. Um, my goodness, Stephen Millison is just such a talented musician. Just incredible. And yeah, it it's just always a delight to hear his music when it's done like this. It, oh, it's I I want to listen to this over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I I I love it. So I I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's just fantastic. So this was my favorite song out of the ten that you sent out. Yeah, oh mine too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is with Stephen Wilson, you never know what to expect from him. You never know what kind of sound you're going to get or, or what right. it's going to be like. But this song that you sent us, if I could pull the strings of Stephen Wilson and, and get whatever I want, this is the sound that I would be getting. <laughs> yeah. Because the the first Porcupine Tree album that I ever heard was Lightbulb Sun. And those first by the first by the end of the first two songs, before we even got into um, She's Moved On and, and Four Chords That Made a Million, it was that acoustic sound that made me love them because I was obsessed with hunky dory from David Bowie at that time. And it made me think of hunky dory so, so much, those first two songs. So I loved them immediately and then went back and heard stupid dream, which was admittedly different, but it was still great. And from then on, we were following porcupine tree for quite some time. We got out of them a little bit and then they, they broke up and then, you know, we, they came back last year. I think when we did this last year, I think we all had the porcupine tree album on our list, right? Uh, mine was an honorable mention, but yeah, like we definitely okay. talked about that. That album had to grow on me a little bit. I enjoyed it, but but as I got more into Porcupine Tree, it started to make more sense to me somehow. Mm. Gotcha. That one I I was delighted with from Listen One. I thought I thought it was great. So between that album and and this song, Steve Wilson is really making uh, a case that I should get back into him, like like we were back in the the early two thousands. Yeah. Now. So we will pick this up. Um, I think for Christmas we got enough Amazon gift money that we can okay. afford to spend it on. Oh, CD. I think so. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know what really makes a successful album these days in terms of like sales or or 
you know, I, I think at this point in time, albums are just something that you release. So you have an excuse to tour and that's where you make most of your money. But, you know, after all these years of such quality work and growing as a, a production force, as well as a songwriter, I really hope that that Stephen Wilson is reaping the benefits of his his long and excellent career. He is just a, such a talented guy. And, and the fact that he's not like. The fact that he's not, you know, well known amongst the public for his talent is is criminal. He's an he's an amazing musician and deserves, you know, I know he I know they have a good following, but it can always be bigger and he deserves more. Yeah, he, he, he should he be a household name. Yeah. <laughs> he deserves the success Radiohead has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, like that. Yeah. That's what that's what I would say. Um, yep. Yeah, agree. Agree. A hundred. A hundred percent. I don't know if it's his biggest yet, but it, but he had some interviews like this time. Like he tried to promote it more in a modern fashion, like putting out the single and then the the release date of the album shortly after that, because he's like people are less inclined to pay attention now so he did as much to hold their attention as he could by like a single a week and then the album he kept releasing videos so i hope it paid off for him and it's musically it paid off i think it's a great record and i also think you guys would enjoy the one he did before this i think you guys would enjoy uh, the future bites it's a lot more uh synth heavy and pop leaning he called it his pop album um it's, it's we a have pretty- that one yeah oh, i do have that one that's mm-hmm. a good record yeah yeah i like that one so yeah, definitely, definitely a great record. And I recommend my listeners, if you haven't checked out the episode with Craig, go check that out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, Brian, thankfully, was a good enough sport to come back on here after what Craig said in that episode. So um, <laughs> he he was not pulling punches when it came to yours truly. Oh, um, no. Yeah, he, he's not not too impressed with me in terms of my taste in music, but that's OK. He's a good guy. And that was my top 10 and your top five. Let's let's zip through some honorable mentions. I've got a few of uh, of mine. Uh, solo album from the lead singer of Rammstein, Till Lindemann, but an album called Zoomed, which means tongue. Came out late in the year. Really dig it. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo, Guts, a great kind of '90s alt rock flavored album. Very upbeat. Love it. I liked the Rolling Stones album, Hackney Diamonds. I think it's one of their better albums they put out in the last couple uh, decades. Uh, Cody Johnson, Leather, <laughs> great country album. Um, another co- country album I loved, Hardy, The Mockingbird, and The Crow. Uh, Dokken put out what is supposed to be their final album, When Heaven Comes Down. And for a guy who whose voice I would normally say is shot, he really figured out how to use it on this album, and it sounds great. So those are just... Some, oh, and uh, also I have uh, Jimmy Buffett's Equal Strain on All Parts, um, his final record. I enjoyed that quite a bit. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Is Doc and the band that we talked about one time had recorded songs with Stock Aiken and Waterman? Uh, that was Judas Priest. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Did those come out in 2023? Oh, I wish. Did we just have that snippet of their cover of You Are Everything, uh, which I really want to hear the whole version of. It sounds so, so wonderful and big. And I know Rob is a big fan of Kylie Minogue and, and pop music, so... I, I, I hope someday that sees the light of day. I know why they, I understand why they killed it because their career at that point was in a place of where if they probably had put that out, it probably, it probably wouldn't have ended well for them. And it's good that they went back to the heavier stuff, but man, it, it is a fascinating thing. Did you ever listen to that snippet I sent you? You know, I don't think I did. I, I didn't remember that you actually sent it. Did you oh, send it to me? I did. I'll re I'll resend it to you. It's just a, 
<laughs> we only have this like maybe minute snippet of this cover of this Motown song called You Are Everything. And it's it sounds so wonderful. Um like I've even tried like like to like find out like who the uploader is just so I can be like, hey, how'd you get this? Because I want to hear the rest yeah. of this. Let's make a pledge right now that regardless of how old we are or where we are in the world or where we are in life, if that album if those songs ever get an official release, we'll podcast about it. All right. That that will be a, a, a potential scheduled episode. All right. Very good. Nice. <laughs> I know you have so, some some reissues you want to talk about. Yeah, I just want to give a quick list like you did. I actually, this isn't fair. I didn't give Sarah the opportunity to contribute to this list. I didn't tell her we were going to talk about it. But um, so sorry, Sarah. That's okay. I it's not like I won't I'll disagree heartily with most <laughs> of these. I I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um some of the records that it as I sat down to come up with my favorite things of the year, I was surprised by how many of my favorite things of the year were reissues. And of course, right at the end of the year, we got the Beatles Red and Blue albums reissued with a lot of extra songs that hadn't been on them originally. That those were two records that I grew up listening to over and over and over as a kid. I would sit in front of my parents' stereo and just flip the records and play them again and again and i would write little notes on their record so get back this is the number one song on this record <laughs> and so it was, it's cool to hear the new mixes and um you know everybody has an opinion on it i i enjoyed the new beatles song i thought it was a very catchy song so i like that and of course we got the ziggy stardust concert um released on blu-ray and cd and i think it's for the first time the whole show and so that's entertaining. I like listening to it. I still haven't watched the the Blu-ray because I don't like looking at people without eyebrows. So he kind of weirds <laughs> me out. <laughs> One day I'll watch it. Um, and also right at the end of the year, Brian Ferry gifted us with his reissue of Mamona, Mom. my favorite Brian Ferry album. So I was happy to get that. And Sly Dog, you didn't mention Diamonds and Pearls, which was reissued this year. I picked it up on oh, yeah. 5.1. I didn't buy the box set, but I bought the surround mix, which it came in December and I was only listening to Christmas music then, but I snuck a couple songs. I listened to Get Off and I listened to Cream and Jughead and the surround <laughs> mix sounds amazing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to checking out the whole whole record. Uh, and here's... Oh, wait, let me... I have two things that are disappointing oh. for the year. So... Um, I'll just also say that I enjoyed the reissue of Brian May's Starfleet project. If you're if you're not familiar with that, it's like Brian May, Edward Van Halen, because Brian May always calls him Edward, yeah. Edward Van Halen. Uh, I think I can't think of his name, but he's a, a keyboardist from REO Speedwagon. Oh, and yeah, I know what you're talking about. A couple other guys, and it's just a really fun. They do like the they cover the theme song for a kid's sci-fi cartoon, and then there's a a, an inst a long instrumental that is called Blues Breaker. And then a really good song that Freddie probably could have really rocked up uh, called Let Me Out. And it's just, it was, I, I enjoyed the reissue a lot more than I thought it was going to, considering it's only three songs. Um, they did a good job with it. So here's the two things in 2023 that upset me. Firstly, I was looking forward to the reissue of Suede's Autofiction, which is their last album. It came out just like two years ago, but they were doing a deluxe reissue. It was going to have the album, a second disc with the whole album live, and then a third disc with songs recorded during those sessions. I was so focused on this coming out. 
And then the packaging of it is so terrible. Did you see? Did you see the packaging for this? I did not. It's like in this sealed cardboard envelope that you actually have to tear apart off. Sort of like when you get a a package in the in the mail, delivered to you in the mail, and like a cardboard envelope on the edge. A lot of times you just tear this perforated section. Yeah. That's how the CD cases. So once you tear it open to get to the CDs, it won't stay closed. It just flaps open. It's it's the cheapest looking packaging that is so poorly made. It projects an image of like devaluing the music. It, it's it's horrible. So even though I wanted this for three months, four months, I'm not getting it. And Oof. the last thing that I would complain about with 2023, because I like I said, I'm a grumpy old grumpy old old man. <laughs> uh, I got to complain about something. I started this year looking forward to the 40th anniversary edition of Culture Club's Color by Numbers. Oh, I was sure it was gonna, I was sure it was going to happen. I was like, "There's no way we won't get some kind of amazing box set for that very important 1980s album." And nothing. Where's the justice in that slide, dog? Uh, yeah, I, I I thought we were supposed to get a kissing to be clever one too as well. We were. They talked about it in interviews, and it never came out. Yeah, like. Well, I have this sad feeling about Culture Club, and I really hope this is not the case because I'm glad when they put out new music, even if it's a single. But they're moving away from like doing like full projects anymore, which kind of bums me out because I liked that last record quite a bit. I thought that was a Life is a Wonderful album. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, I also don't think Boy George has a lot of interest in the past. He's not really interested in nostalgia. So, nope. I, I, I think there may be. I don't know if he has to cooperate with the label for release or not. Maybe the last what the label wants, but yeah, it just, it's unfortunate because that album deserves to, like a super deluxe edition. Like the remaster is pretty cool. Like I know it's got like that remaster CD has like melting pot and manshake on it, but mm -hmm. like, it'd be cool to, if there's more to like get all that out there and like get audio of the uh, kiss across the ocean. Even I think it'd be cool. Right. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right with poor George and his, his, um, focus like i know during the early year or so of, of lockdown i think he wrote like he was going to write like 40 songs or something like that and he did he wrote all these songs but none of them were ever issued on a cd they're on streaming and online and stuff but he he's you know i think he is totally satisfied by the act of creation that's what he's into and he enjoys working on the song writing it singing it and then in his eyes he's giving it to you by putting it online it's just collector's like us that want to have it on our shelves and, and, you know, he's not pandering to us. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But... <laughs> yeah. Why don't you pander? Yeah. pander <laughs> to us, George. Yeah, like, like, and also, yeah. Hey, hey, it's more revenue for whatever you want to do next, man. It's like, it's like another, I don't know. Like you could just throw all the singles on a release and just call, call that good. Like kind of like I used to do back in the day and sing mm -hmm. the thing. You could just make a right. comp album out of all these songs that have come out. So Yeah. Yeah, we'd buy it again. You know, missed opportunities here for people to take I, our money between yeah. him and Robert Smith. Come on, dude. <laughs> right. Uh, the the biggest the biggest defenders probably. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and I I will point out what for diamonds and pearls. Uh, you're you're right. I I totally forgot about that just because like, I think in my brain it's like it's still an old it's like it's an old album, but I, I guess it it is new music. I really have enjoyed that. There's a lot of good stuff on those bonus discs. At, the one thing I haven't got to is the two concerts yet, which I'm I'm waiting to dig into. I need to just have some time with them and sit down and listen to them in a whole. 
which will probably be after I finish this renovation going on behind me. Right. So, but yeah, this was a very good year for music and, and getting your list of songs that you enjoyed is uh, an extra bonus. Cause I think I'm going to look into the struts and definitely pick up that Steven Wilson. And I'm going to revisit the uh, water park CD. That's already on my shelf. Yeah, that's me too. Some bonus new nice. music for us from, from the year that was. And I'm going to check, check out uh, Darwin, Darwin McDee. I'm going to check out tension. And I'm definitely checking out Fal that Falco live album because he's just, he's Falco. He's wonderful. He is a character. <laughs> the Austrian Slickmeister. Yes. Yes. That's what I was trying to remember. You, you I've heard you say that before. <laughs> his self-coined term i love it yeah oh you made you that that's a that's a brian leonard original i believe that it is all right i'm gonna i'm gonna put it out in the world that it is because anything on the internet's true so it, it is copyright, <laughs> it's copyright, copyright brian leonard yeah yes wonderful guys this has been an absolute delight what you got coming up on permanent record podcast i know you guys just finished up erasure and that was a lot of fun, but what's what's next? Is it Pet Shop Boys Vary, or do you have something else planned? That's a rumor that started on our social media. We mentioned on the episode that someone asked us to talk about the Pet Shop Boys Vary. Yeah. And we agreed to do it because that's a great album. Yeah. We never said it was going to be next, but then all of a sudden people online were saying, I can't wait for your next episode with Vary. We, ne <laughs> we never said that, folks. <laughs> but we, we are prepared to uh, reveal what the next album is that we're going to talk about. Oh, are we? Yeah. Okay. Why don't, you, why don't you tell them we did we just decided this. It, we we never plan things ahead of time no, no. Uh, we, we never have anything in the can like brad page it has like two years worth of episodes yeah we never have any we are such a fly by the seat of our pants but this of. past week yeah. we were driving somewhere together and we said well let's figure out what's next and we decided i believe we decided that we are going to talk about simple minds new gold dream interesting interesting mm -hmm. all, all i know is uh don't you forget about me so i am i'm intrigued oh well this is a couple years before that and this has uh two big songs uh somewhere wait i always i can never say it right someone somewhere someone somewhere in summertime, summertime. yeah and then the song that um i loved in high school but i loved the live version uh promised you a miracle oh yeah two really good 80s singers and, so. and new gold dream right yeah 81 82 83, yeah. 84 yeah yep so that's next for us so if you're a fan of simple minds or the sound of the 80s in general uh check us out on the permanent record podcast it's a wonderful show it's wonderful de all the details you can want and more so, <laughs> yeah and, and lots more <laughs> and I, I will share my simple mind story um so i first heard the song don't you forget about me billy idol did it on his greatest hits album that came out in 2001 and i love that and then i remember I was watching VH1 Classic one day and they played the video for the Simple Minds version. And for a long time, I did not like it because it did not have that big guitar sound that Billy Idol's had. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I, I've come to, as I've come to enjoy more 80s pop, I think their their version of the song is great. And I believe Billy was originally supposed to do it for the soundtrack, actually. that Yeah, I guess so. And I guess that's why he covered it. But there's also a story, I think, that it was, they also wanted to give it to Brian Ferry. I heard that too. And yeah. then I guess neither of those guys chose to do it. So they settled for Simple Minds. And then Simple Minds had a weird relationship with it too, because it was their first really big global hit, but they didn't write it. You know, they had written songs for so many years without getting, you know, huge amounts of success. And then when they finally do get it, it was somebody else's song. But um, they seem to be over that. And we've seen them live 
two times now and yeah they always do a really rousing version of it yeah they they seem to own it now <laughs> but it is cool that the that billy was able to use that history to put because i think people were really excited that he was covering it for that compilation i remember the talk online like people were excited to hear his version well, I think it's going to be a great year for podcasting, and I think we'll def there'll definitely be another episode for us somewhere in the hopefully not too distant future of 2024. It's always great to see you guys. It's always great to hang Same out. Here. So. Same here. Thanks for having us, Sly Dog. It's Absolutely. it's the year doesn't end until I've spoken to you. Now, now I'm gonna close out 2023. 2023. That's a wrap on 2023. Look yep. out 2024. Here it comes. Till next time. I'm the Sly Dog. Peace. Love. Music. going on follow me on twitter at sly dog music cast or facebook at sly dog music cast thanks again for listening peace love and music